You are listening to the Freelancer Codex, a podcast brought to you by the Shut Up and Respawn Network. Welcome everybody to episode 126 of the Freelancer Codex podcast. I am your host Steve along with my co-hosts Michael and Devin and today we have a very special guest with us. We have Brian or as we like to call him Ginger Prime or um, part of the duo of work to game is that correct brian is that am i introducing you correctly you have the first person to a introduce me uh in such a professional manner but also (laughs) to like surprise me because it's mostly people are like oh brian from work to game or they just say work to game and it's like yeah we're a duo uh you know in that regards but um yeah ginger prime being kind of like my solo thing kind (laughs) of very all me all deep throat, you know, voided, blah, 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 blah. You know, I don't know. Sorry, I've been drinking, everybody. <laughs> PS5. <laughs> and this, this is episode. This has been episode 126 <laughs> of the Freelancer Codex. So, so just really fast for our listeners, Brian actually uh, reached out to us, and I was able to jump on with Brian and his co-host and talk a little bit about Anthem, um, about the future of Anthem and what's going to happen to that game over on their channel. And Brian has been kind enough to kind of mentor um, us on the podcast in regards to YouTube analytics and growing a channel. Because turns out, I'm real dumb when it comes to that stuff and don't know a lot. And Brian um, has been doing it for a while. And Brian, you recently also put out a YouTube video kind of explaining to people that want to grow their channel how mm-hmm. to do that. Do you want to talk about um I can mention it briefly. I just want to say, like, I've been following you guys. Uh, for well over like a year and a half like you know obviously pre-anthem launch you guys were just like crushing out podcasts and i enjoyed it because it was always uh nice to kind of sit back listen to you guys be excited about the game unfortunately that obviously didn't work out you know from like a in ways because we still all played anthem i still play it occasionally um looking forward to the future of the game so i've been a fan of your guys's for a while and so then when uh when we reached out i was like yeah let's talk about some anthems so thank you for coming on uh, the show, uh, you know, that was like a great show. You're real easy to talk to. It's nice being your guest and not having to like have an outline. I can just kind of ramble. But so, yeah, I sat down with you guys, uh, kind of tried to break down analytics because I, I, I went and looked at your channel and I was like, oh, man, these guys are all over the place. I'm like, I, I didn't want to like overstep. Like, I don't want to be like, hey, I can help you. You know, like I you guys don't know what you're doing. You need help. <laughs> Has any of it like been helpful? Because I went and looked and I was like, you guys, your numbers looked up to me. Uh, your thumbnails look solid. Like, like it felt like you were following the advice. I don't know if you've seen any like drastic benefit from it yet, but it 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 has been helpful. Um, making sure everything is kind of streamlined, everything looks the same, titles are um, very similar. It has helped us um, feel more organized. I don't know if that's a thing to like have a YouTube channel feel organized and feel more consolidated and unified. So in that mm-hmm. sense, it's helped us a lot um like producing content we've just kind of been lacking on that just because of um life stuff that's been happening but no it's been really good advice that we've been following i've been following it over on the godfall channel that i've been doing and it's been helping a lot so no your your advice was spot on we're going to continue to use it and we're going to continue to push forward and hopefully we're going to continue to grow so it's a lot of good advice and anyone can go to your channel and that and that video is hosted over on youtube.com slash ginger prime Mm-hmm. So anyone I put that, that wants out the there, I put that video out because it wasn't just you guys that like, you know, I was like, Hey, some other people like actually reached out and they're like, Hey, I'm struggling. I've been doing this for years or I'm trying to grow a Twitch channel or I'm trying to, you know, do these things. How do I go about it? And I would, 
I looked at it, honestly, I looked down at it and I was like, I, I've always tried to been open and help people out. I, I believe that's, you know, like one of the responsibilities that comes along with having what would I call, I would say I'm still small, but when like I talk to anybody, they're like, Oh no, you're, you're large. When you have over 50,000 subs, like all of a sudden you like, that's a different, you know, ballpark. But it's like, I realized I was like putting a lot of time individually with a lot of different creators. Uh, and then I was like, wait a minute, like I know how to make videos. Why just do this as a one-on-one? So I sat down, filmed everything, showed all my stats. You can see how much money I make, what my CPM is, what my click-through is. I explain all of those breakdowns. Uh, so if you're ever interested in content creation, highly check out that video. It's a long one. You should definitely get like a snack. And I have it, <laughs> I have it in chapters, like the video itself. You can do that on YouTube now. So that way, if you're ever like wanting to jump to a specific section, uh, you can. And um, I'm actually one of the things that I'm working on um, that's not live yet, but that kind of relates to it is just creating a, a channel focused around like uh, education and how to edit, how I edit videos, how I produce content, how I program. I'm a, I'm a software engineer as a, as a living, as a trade. Uh, and so it's like how I kind of just I love to I've always wanted to be a teacher. And I thought all of a sudden, like, oh, maybe I'll just keep teaching. And have this kind of be a nice little fun, you know, side, side gig of like, here's these videos that, you know, random people watch and then they either tell me I, I suck or they say, thank you. Like, I mean, that's really what you're going to get with YouTube. Yep. Yeah. That's like, how what you get you? with the internet. Do you ever get right. like any hate when you, when you post like an Anthem video? Like I still see people come in and like try to troll me or try to troll people who are like, I got this game for $5 and I'm having fun. Like, do y'all see that any in your Yeah, comments? I mean, we, we kind of see both of them. I think the common thing is people still play this game. I mean, that's that's like the most common thing. But I think yeah. I think most people that want to troll have moved on to troll other games. So there's not as much as there used to be. Um, but I mean, it's it's there. Every just, now you just and need then. another real like big like thing that just fails. And everybody's like, all right, <laughs> yeah. let's, go, let's go meme on that. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's the internet. But Brian, we, we really appreciate you coming and joining and talking with talking Sony stuff with us today. But yeah, anyone that has you know, questions, I mean, you're easy to reach on Twitter. You're easy to reach on your YouTube page. So if you want to start making content, um, Brian is a great resource for that. And like you said, it's there's so many people that want to create content that just don't know where to get started or don't know how. And you are a good resource to help people get started and do it the right way. Unlike us who did it the wrong way for two plus years. So take our <laughs> advice, go to someone like Brian and figure out how to start off on the right foot and not on the wrong trail in the wrong country. So, all right. Um, so let's jump into this really quick. If you want to leave us a message, you can do that at anchor.fm slash freelancer codex. Or you can just drop us an email at freelancercodex at gmail.com. And we really want to thank our patrons that have been supporting us over at patreon.com slash freelancercodex. Thanks to Julius, Nathan B., Michael R., Trent B., Manin Still, Scout69, Dragonheart76, Jeffrey H., and the Gameplay Experience. Um, we got all of our challenge coins sent out for our patrons um, that support us at a certain tier. So this, I'm trying to figure out what our challenge coin is going to be this week. If it's going to be... There's a, there's a lot of things we can focus it on, so I'm still kind of kicking around ideas. And then also, this week, Devin and I had... It was last week, wasn't it, Devin? We had a really cool opportunity yeah. to <clears throat> sit down with the CEO of White Moon Dreams, which is a game development studio, which is a publisher of video games, and they do a lot of research and development for Xbox, Nintendo, and PlayStation. So... That interview is with Jay um, Kudarapali, 
I think that's how you say his name. His name is very difficult to say, but he's the CEO. Devin and There's I got to yeah. Devin and I got to sit down with him for an hour. I've known Jay for a while because I've communicated with him probably around 2013 because they um, White Moon Dreams started developing War Machine Tactics, which is a video game based around a tabletop game that the three of us played for a really long time. And I reached out to him, started talking with him and the team a while ago, and I said, hey, let's see if Jay would like to come on and just kind of talk about War Machine Tactics. We talked about how he got started in the industry. Turns out he wrote a game when he was eight years old, pitched it to Sega, and they wanted to pick it up. But his parents were like, no, we don't think so. So he started very early into game development eight years and never old, he stopped. He was going to make a push the game out, and they're like, nah. <laughs> yeah. And that's like something that we all dream of. Like, we make a game and Sony pick it up. That would be awesome. So we sat down and talked with him about his experience, sat down and talked a little bit about War Machine Tactics. Um, we're going to play that interview um, at the end of the show. We'll tack that on um, for the podcast feed and for the YouTube feed. And the nice thing is we're also going to spend time talking with Jay um, in the future and with a couple more people from White Moon Dreams. So White Moon Dreams helped develop um, Concrete Genie, which is the VR game that came out recently for PS um, PlayStation VR. They also worked on... There was another VR game that they did. Uh, the, the VR name is game escaping uh, was me. number one for May. Just this last one that they just did. Yep, con that's Concrete Genie. But there's another one I'm forgetting the name with the spaceships that they, that they fly around. So we're going to add that interview on at the end. It's a really good listen. I think one of the cool things that we are doing here on the Freelancer Codex is when we talk to developers... It's more of a conversation instead of an interview because here we really believe that developers are people and humans make games and oftentimes we forget that. So getting to know developers for us is really important because we like just talking to people about video games. But knowing that, hey, maybe you shouldn't send Jay a death threat just because the way that this unit moves in-game <laughs> is not the way you think it, it should move, right? So... We're going to keep doing that. We have a couple more interviews coming down the line, and we're really excited to share those with you. All right, so let's jump in. Instead of talking about the things that we've been playing, because I could tell you the story that I lost you know, 20,000 souls playing Dark Souls 3 this morning because my monitor decided to turn off at the wrong time. Instead of telling you about that, which is super frustrating and made me want to cry on stream, you could, I guess you could go watch it on stream if you wanted to do that. But uh, Make a clip of Watch the soul-crushing moment. I did. It, it, there is a clip. There's a clip over on twitch.com slash freelancer codex. We are affiliated now over on Twitch, so you can drop us your free prime sub and that'll help out the podcast a lot. But instead of doing that, let's jump in and talk about the Sony news because mm -hmm. Sony dropped their state of play today and there's over 26 Finally. games. And now it's time to kind of dive in and I would like to get everyone's opinions on what they saw. If you have a question, if you have a comment, um, you know, jump in here, but let's talk about this. So first thing, they kicked it off with Grand Theft Auto V, expanded and enhanced for PlayStation 5, um, with free money coming to people that own the game right now up until the launch on PlayStation 5. And in my mind, all I was thinking about is, this is just another way to keep Grand Theft Auto V on top of the NPD charts because they're going to release it for a new console and people are going to have to buy it for a new console, right? Three console generations. Came yeah. out on the 360 <laughs> PS3 era. Then came out on current gen. Now it's coming out again. I mean, it's coming out for the Xbox Series X as well. And, and uh, I mean, yeah, Sony loves to spend that money on marketing deals. What, what can you say? So, 
it's so, it's the number one game like year over year over year month over yeah, month it's like they, they make billions of dollars off of people buying crap and playing online so even selling like the game still yeah. sells like well, has it yeah, even they, come down in it, price like they're like people are what buying what happens is when it's cheaper to buy the game when it comes with so much money than it is to buy the money in game so the people are buying the 35 dollar game that comes with so much money when you buy it because mm-hmm. a couple of guys I used to work with would just buy the game over and over and over again because they, they were just buying cars and all kinds of crap online. Hmm. And so they're like, yeah, it's just cheaper to buy the game because the amount of money they give you when you buy the game is cheaper than actually buying that amount of money in the game. That's crazy. So that's why also that's why they they have such a huge boost in sales. I mean, the two guys I know, they bought, I think, 30 copies a piece. Oh jeez! So, wow. What do they, I mean, they, what do, they do with the like copies? thousands of dollars a year? Like they're just buying digital copies. It doesn't matter. You just buy it again. I know, but do you and, like? Uh, do they hand out the the digital codes to other people to share the love so people can jump in, or what do they do with no, the digital they copies? They're, they're just they're just buying it and getting getting the codes for the money. So, so like wow. congratulations to Rockstar. GTA is GTA Five is not something that I jumped into, not something I'm interested in jumping into. I'm glad everyone is having fun in there because it seems that like there's a lot of fun stuff happening in that game if you mm-hmm. are invested in that world. And they're going to continue to support it, obviously, bringing it over to PlayStation Five and Xbox Series X. So yeah, good on them. This kind of an interesting opener to me, opening with something that is cross-platform for this event. Um, I don't know. That, that was just kind of a weird thing to me. Um, I mean, it kind of goes against what they were putting on blast on the internet, right? Like, we make a new console. We want you to have new experiences that you can't play anywhere else. But we're going to start the show with the third generation game. I don't know. Yeah, just so everyone knows, <laughs> Devin's had a headache for four hours. So if he is a little bit more salty than before, he's also an Xbox ambassador. So, you know, just keep hey. that in the back of your mind. So let's let's jump on to the next thing, and I want to hear everyone's mm-hmm. thoughts on this. So Spider-Man... I give an unbiased opinion, Stephen. Oh, yeah. I, I know. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited for that, yeah. too. So Spider-Man, Miles Morales, is going to launch on PlayStation 5 Holiday 2020. I'm excited. I, 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 I just the fact that they're bringing Miles Morales to the... Uh, just having his own game. Uh, somebody was like, oh, they don't have a 2 at the end. It's like, they don't need a 2. You know, it's like, it's it's excellent. Like, this looks so good. Uh, I'm. I just. My friend just let me borrow his PlayStation because mine died, and I was like, "I'll wait till PS5." And Spider-Man was one of these games that I just really was like, "Oh man, I'm missing that." Uh, and so I was like, "Maybe I'll just play it now." But regardless, I was like, seeing that, um, and then you know, with my son, you know, I'm just looking forward to being like, "Yeah, let's just go," you know, fly around to Spider-Man, have a good time. Mike, are you excited I, about Miles Morales? I am very much so. Um, definitely loved. Loved the movie when it came out. Love his story and just the new take. Love the costumes and all that. Pretty excited to to get into it and see how it do and and just super excited. I mean, I think it's cool. Um, I think it's cool that we're still getting superhero games. I really enjoy them, and and I'm looking forward to seeing this one. Hopefully, they follow some of the the movie um, art styling because that was just amazing and beautiful to look at. So, really so- excited to see how it goes. Yeah, so I don't think they're going to be following much of that. I think this is going to be following... I mean, this is... It's almost a sequel to Spider-Man... Um, the Amazing Spider-Man game that came out recently on PlayStation 4. Mm-hmm. What was it? A year and a half ago? year ago? Two years it's ago? It's about a year and a half. So this would yeah. be, like, I think, officially two years 
Tech so, like me out. So this is a good base. You know? Yeah. So yeah. so seeing everything that we saw about this, and this is just pure speculation. Um, this seems like it. It looks like it's kind of almost like a bigger. Ex- I I don't know if we say DLC or expansion nowadays, depending on what this is, but. It feels like an expansion to that first Spider-Man game, right? So I'm guessing that's why maybe there's not a two on it. This is just, hey, this is Miles' story set in. They're using, I don't know if they're using the same engine, but it looks like this is going to be a continuation that Miles is going to take over. He's going to start doing his hero thing. And like Mike said, like playing off of Into the Spider-Verse, which is super popular, easily the best superhero movie that we've had in a really long time. It's going to capitalize mm-hmm. off of that. Um so yeah, I'm excited to finally, you know, I'll probably I'll play Sp- I'll play through Spider-Man when I pick up my PlayStation 5, and then I'll play through Spider-Man Miles Morales. But yeah, I'm excited for this. I mean, this is an easy win for Sony and Insomniac Studios. Say, hey, the first game was super successful. I think it sold more. I think it was the best-selling PlayStation game um, ever, if I'm not mistaken. I'd have to go back and look and double-check that. Oh, well. But it's mm-hmm. one of the best-playing, uh, the best-selling um, PlayStation titles. But um, yeah, excited for that. So if anyone, Devin, anything to say? What's up, Danger? Um, no, I mean, it looks it looks good. You know, I mean, I want to see some more gameplay. I want to see uh, what really, I mean, so this is one of the games I'm guessing that, you, you know, it's not going to do as good as the original because if it's only on PlayStation 5, it's not going to be able to sell as many copies because the install base obviously won't be as big. Correct. Um but isn't I'm that sure a, like, but though, isn't that like if they if it's the same engine, if it's if it is rather than do it a two built on a whole like really like put in the work, they can go and make this uh, and take what they've already built, enhance it, and knowing that it's going to, going out to you know a smaller like people because just because when even when PS5 launches, depending even on the yeah. price that we don't know, it, it's still going to be limited. Like no matter what, like you're not going to yeah. have an install base of. 80 million ps5s this november you know there's impossible yeah no i mean that's that's the tricky thing and then i mean especially if they're designing for their ssd and and the speeds and being able to load everything um you know they, they just can't go from if you design with the playstation 5 in mind and actually design for that in mind it's trying to go back to regular hard drives just won't work mm-hmm. and so I'm interested to see. I mean, it's definitely when I get a PS5, this is one of the games I'm going to play on it. But, um, you know, there was probably three or four games that I was really interested in from the conference. And that was one of them. And it looks really cool. I like the movie. I really enjoyed the movie. Um, I'm interested to see where they take the story. And yeah. Yeah, I'm guessing it's probably not going to be into the Spider-Verse story, but um, it'll be something. I, I don't think so. I think it'll be connected with their universe that they're doing so yeah. i wonder if we'll see an enhanced version of the current like uh with the fact that they showed off spider-man running so on I, ps5 hardware where he could actually swing through the level at like a jet you know <laughs> jet speed and not have to worry about loading i don't know i mean that it'll be it, i'm sure it'll probably be one of the it's one of the hundred that probably come games. over yeah <laughs> but uh that's just more to talk about later when they actually talk about when they actually tell us how that system is going to work. All right. So every console generation at launch needs a car racing game. Um, Sony's is going to be Gran Turismo 7. We don't know if it's coming out at launch. They didn't say when that is releasing, but Gran Turismo 7 is going to be coming to the PlayStation 5. Um, it's a racing game, so I don't care that much. I don't know. So I will I will defer the table to other people that actually like racing games more than I do, if we have any here at the table. 
Yeah, I love racing games. Um, I think though Forza is, has taken the crown. Uh, yep. I, I, uh, Turismo was like just it was so incredible uh, growing up as a kid. I remember playing that a lot. Uh, it's the sequels and more. And eventually, it it felt like it lost its cadence. It wasn't like okay, now there's not going to be a full release at this launch, so it's going to be this partial release. And then all then all of a sudden you have uh, Forza, you know, and the Forza Horizon like just starting to pump out like an incredible experience that does damage to the cars and it, it just started doing more and so what i would actually be looking for like if i was going to evaluate picking up uh, a new gran turismo game uh, i would have to say like what is their ai and and like asynchronous multiplayer doing uh the fact that i can go play uh, forza and i'm racing against my friends mm-hmm. um you know in that regards is it's very like inviting i really enjoy that um and then if so if, if uh, turismo didn't even meet those kind of requirements I, w- I think i'd be like okay well why play this one when i already have all of this as a part of my game pass anyway so it's it's going to be a hard sell for for they have to do something so dramatic and what they showed off gameplay wise it yeah it's a racing game i i happen to enjoy them but you know like i, I didn't see that it factor or that why is this on playstation 5 you know i think uh, for me i was expecting so Obviously, like their Sony's choice for the stream at 1080p, 30 frames per second was not, uh, for me, was not a good choice, right? Like this game did not look good at 1080p on 30, but when you watch the 4K 60 version, it looks much nicer, but still it just looked like Forza Horizon 7 on current gen consoles. It didn't like amaze me like, hey, this is next gen, you know, cars and stuff. Like when they're zooming in, like if you watch it, and I, I noticed this when I first watched the 4K one. When you zoom in, they're showing the all the toggles and the knobs and everything else. But several of their knobs are all janky and not nice and round. You know, I was like, well, why are you focusing on this when it's not, you know, n- looking good? So, yeah. I, I mean, think- I know it's the inside of the car and you're not, a lot of people aren't going to see that. But when you're putting that in your trailer to show it off, you don't want to show off something that looks like it's can just run normally on current gen consoles. I mean, there's, there's a lot of people that drive in first person view. So they're going to be seeing the inside of there. Um, I was watching the stream at 720p while I was running on my treadmill. So, I mean, it all looked blurry to me anyway, but one of the things that I'm really surprised that Sony did not focus on is the ray tracing aspect. Um, well, I'm not, but uh... be, well, I'm surprised because like, there's no mention of it. Um, so you never know if like, okay, is this, like what kind of lighting is this dynamic lighting is this in, ray uh, trace? they said it was in ratchet and clank they, they did say like, it was ratchet and clank that um mm-hmm. that clank himself was like ray, ray trace. trace reflections like and, yeah. and that was specifically said on him but like all the other games like a ray trace racing game i mean that's supposed that's like the dream right all the reflections coming enjoy. off the car and and i would just thought it was interesting that that like it was only mentioned one time all right um i know mike you love the the forza games so i mean is this something like, hey, Gran Turismo is going to replace Forza for you? No. Okay. No. R- racing games. Racing games are racing games, right? They're, I mean, cars driving, cool cars. You get to drive. Um, it's yeah. I don't. I don't think. I, I actually haven't played Turismo, um, so I don't have too many um, out. I, I don't think I've ever played it, so I don't have any um, thing to compare to. But Forza is fine. And and really, um, how how different can racing games be, right? I mean, they're, they're cars, they have steering wheels, you drive. So, 
I'd like to see them kind of take and try somebody try to do like a like a Forza like as a games as a service as a shared world. Yeah, you've got your car. There's varying races that you like enter, and then you get like auto placed into varying you know things that both asynchronously and you know while you're active. There's this essentially this world that you're kind of participating in. I think I would like to see that. We that's where I think Horizon's been going. That's where I think Forza's yeah. been going. They haven't fully committed. Um, Cause I didn't think probably the technology was there. I don't even know if the demand is there for that kind of thing, but um, right. when I look at like what games do I continually play? It's games that there's some kind of living social aspect, uh, both behind the scenes and in front of, you know, while playing the game itself. Cause right. Like if you're going to go to a racing game and all of a sudden you, you get a flight simulator, you're like, this is not what I was expecting. And then <laughs> exactly. that's not, that's not an improvement. Like in, right. in real life, if my car could fly, that would be an improvement if I'm playing a racing <laughs> game and it all of a sudden stops like doing the thing that I'm expecting and does something different like that would be kind of shocking. Um, but it's that that's essentially what I would like to see. I think as much as people, some people hear a groan whenever people bring up games as a service, it's like, well, what game are you playing? Like, it's like, oh, I, I take a break and I go play the single player game for a week and then I'm back in Destiny. or or whatever and then i go bitch about it you know because that's a part of the game it's like you got to complain about it um otherwise that is the game on youtube yeah so i think the nice thing about the racing games like there are people that like like the people that just play madden or just play nba or whatever there are people that just play racing games and they have their rigs like i'm jealous of people that have their own racing rigs because that's cool oh yeah you see their setup with their wheels and their pedals like man that would be cool to have. That would be fun to have. All right, so let's move on. The next thing, um, and these aren't in any particular order. These are just the things that I wanted to pull out. So Ratchet & Clank, Rift Apart. This game had a ton of stuff going on in it, like tons of particle effects. They talked about the ray tracing on on Clank, um, pulling dimensions forward, going to different areas. Like this game looked like, all right, this is your Mario launch title, right? Every yeah. Nintendo game has to launch. Every Nintendo console has to mar- launch with the Mario game. Ratchet and Clank is going to be that title that hey, buy this for your kids, jump in, get in, play, and it looked like a lot of fun. I thought it looked like fun. I think my kids will really like it. So, here's what I what stood out to me, and I was saying because like I was watching it with my uh, this presentation with my wife and kids, who then I, I had to send out for some games because I was like, oh, this looks yeah. creepy. Kids, get out of the room. <laughs> All right, oh, we got Ratchet and Clank, come back in. Right, okay, get out. Like, they were really confused as to why they had to randomly get... <laughs> but no, so we're watching it. And for me, from a technical perspective, we talk about just the, the incredible SSD and the loading speed, right? So from the dimensional perspective, when he's hit, when he hits that dimensional wall and you see that, like, two seconds, one second of you're in this weird purple dimension and then all of a sudden, boom, you're in a whole other level. Yeah. And that's, I was like, that is cool. We talked about Spider-Man. I was going to bring this up with... Uh, with Ratch and Clank is that when you think about like if they ever do a spider verse, you know, into the spider verse kind of perspective where you could literally hop from different, you know, different whole areas and that loading that's ha- that happens during, I was like, whenever like he hit that purple and then you see kind of the glass shards and, you know, like, and then all of a sudden you're booming the level. I was like, that's the loading. That was a second long to load up a whole other level. And that's them showing through Ratchet and Clank, the power of their SSD. And that in and of itself is that design philosophy. They're not hiding it behind some mountain. The mountain happens to be a very short period of you're in an interdimensional kind of tube. And so that's what something I was interesting. The thing that did stand out to me that I was like, it's going to be always be how it feels 
like you can show me gameplay like especially with combat yeah. but if it doesn't feel good then i'm just like all right next but it mm-hmm. him teleporting kind of to these things felt a little weird like it, even in watching it and maybe yeah. we can't actually teleport i don't know maybe that's exactly how it would feel if you teleported because i felt this i felt disoriented from when he would jump to a spot and then i yeah. was like having to learn and, and readjust and then honestly i was like I, I don't you know obviously it's early but i was like i wonder if that's something they get fixed or what what happens with that but i, I actually felt disoriented with that and i didn't see the value in that in him teleporting i was like yeah. just run there it feels like you're saving <laughs> half a second i don't know but <laughs> it, it is nice to finally see like okay if this is what is possible like they're finally showing us like you said instead of just talking about it because i'm really tired of people talking about it and telling me how fast like an io speed is um for the you know because that it doesn't it doesn't matter unless it's used well in a game so i'm glad we're at least trying to you know starting to get a glimpse at it so hey this is like you're you're buying a PlayStation Five. You got kids. This you know it'd be awesome if you know consoles came packed with games like they did a long long time ago. But hey, Ratchet and Clank looks cool. And if you know Clank is ray traced, I mean there was a lot of stuff going on in there. Like you know playing Control on a 2080 Ti. There there's a lot of ray tracing. There's a lot of stuff going on. And even then you're like okay, but there was a lot of stuff going on in Ratchet and Clank. It looked pretty cool. So. Yeah, I like the explosions and all, you know, the physics, everything looked really nice on it. I think it was definitely one of the better looking games, even though it was cartoony and had that style of visuals. But, you know, I, th- I thought it was one of the better looking and more polished, but maybe that's because a lot of the games aren't coming out this year. But Yeah, know. it I definitely thought, was yeah, polished. I love the art direction in that regards. I think one of the things yeah. is like, oh, somebody was like, I want photorealism. It's like... I want good art direction. I want something that right. looks just and it all compliments. And they showed off a couple of games like that. I forget the name of it, but it was that really stylized one, kind of with that white godlike creature and all the red. I was like, this looks great. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> um, wait for it, Ghostwire. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So the next game that they showed off, um, Project. Athia. I don't know if that's just the actual project name or if it's going to get renamed. This, this I hope it is, gets renamed. This is coming out in um, either next year or 2022. This is from Square, um, the publisher Square Enix from Luminous Productions. Yeah, this those are the guys who did 15. That did what? Final Fantasy 15. So okay. Luminous Studios is the uh, is the branch of Square Enix that worked and published Final Fantasy 15. Here's what I'm noticing about that, and I was I'm probably going to make a video on it sometime, maybe next week. Is that so Lumina, like they use what's called the Luminous engine, like Square Enix has always kind of built their own in-house engine. However, more recently, Square Enix has also been using more Unreal Engine uh, as, as it's moved forward with some of their other titles. And so I'm wondering if like Luminous Studios is like, this is them with their own engine doing their own like thing from the ground up. And then like, if you start seeing some of their other games more relying on Unreal, but I, that's not necessarily yeah. going to be a disadvantage because Unreal has just been crushing this whole generation and even into next with unreal five but yep um the uh it kind of game there's a there was an a, a thing called like agnes philosophy that square enix showed off like back in 2013 like as a tech demo um you know that it was like huh we wonder if this is gonna be the next final fantasy uh they showed this off there's still rumors and i've even had some people uh let me know that the final fantasy 16 trailer actually was pulled and it's going to be shown off sometime in the next i don't know a couple of weeks i i don't think square enix is they might be doing their own conference. I don't know. Um, but essentially, like, this is essentially a, um, you know, developed for 
PS5. I don't think it's a Final Fantasy 16 or um, related to that. I think it's a new IP that they're going to see if it works. But yeah. it did give me some Agnes Philosophy vibes uh, with some of the world settings. But overall, like I still want to see that what they created with that tech demo somewhat come to life. And that's crazy that that tech demo was still, uh, you know, like it's seven years old and still looks incredible. And if they showed off that tech demo again here on PS5, I'd be like, yeah. And now with ray tracing, like, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and Project Athia for people that, because there were 26 games, this is the one where we see um, a girl walking through kind of a torn down older city. She's got white sneakers on. That's the thing that stood out to me. Um, you see like this crazy wolf creature that is does not look like a um, biological creature. It's definitely made up of a bunch of stuff with like this burning embers inside of its stomach. We see like this other dragon also. So mm-hmm. we we don't exactly know like what kind of game it is. It looks like it's probably going to be some um, third person action game. Hey, turns yeah. out Sony makes third person action games, you know, and they, they have those uh, made for their system. But the, it also looks very much <laughs> like the... Yeah, just a few um, third-person action games where the world has been destroyed, oddly enough. Yeah, and we just yeah. add another one to you. that. Hmm, Don't look behind you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it looks pretty interesting. I I think my problem is when I see little snippets of games that are like you know they're they're supposed to give you like the theming of them. I get really excited, and I probably get way too overexcited over what we have seen. That's that's on me. I get excited about things, especially when there's like though. like the thing is you got to give yourself some break like. This is just a big ball of nothing. But there's a dragon um, in it, Brian. So I have to get great. excited. <laughs> oh, and I it's just as on that's fire. That, that's so what I was like. I was like, all right, is it final? Is it, show me final. You know, because I know what final is. Final Fantasy. And it's like, no, project, whatever. Oh, Miss Dragon or Fire Smoke Smoldering <laughs> Dragon. I can't tell if it's Mr. Flame. Like, but I was like, yeah, like it's an effing dragon. Like, let's go. I was like, is this Tomb Raider with dragons? I don't care. I There's mean, a if dragon it's, in it. Yeah, if it's Tomb you know? Raider with dragons, then that might be cool. All right. So not a lot. I mean, that look, the game looks gorgeous. Like if you look at it, and they, you know, the skybox, everything in the background looks great. And I'm sure they're going to mm-hmm. say, hey, if you can see that mountain, you can walk to the mountain. I think that's probably going to be something that some developer says in the future sometime. But that game looks that really cool. Year. Yeah, really excited to see more of that. I'm it says PlayStation 5 development footage subject to change. So, I mean, that's what most of these things are going to be on because it's going to be a while out. All right. So, moving on to Stray. Like, Stray. Okay. So, Stray, like, first we're, like, in this old city. At first, there's, like, this graffiti that says uh, no more humans or something like that. And there's a robot walking around. So, first you're like, okay. So, I don't know if this is, like, are the, are the robots, like, serving humanity? Or have the robots taken over humanity? Do they kill off humanity? Did humanity upload their consciousness into these robots? We don't know exactly what happened, but there's a cat with a backpack. So, it doesn't matter if you get to play as a cat with a backpack, right? I mean, I'm on board with Backpack Cat. I don't know who would <laughs> not be on board with Backpack Cat. Am I alone on this? I, I, don't, I don't really care. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna skip it's this a, one. It's a, it's a game that people who like cats will enjoy, but I don't. You know, I am alone. I had, you are alone. It's you like, monsters. I'm like wow, he you was like you are alone. Really into detail in this game that I could give zero. <laughs> but did they yeah, really show what's a, what are they gonna do? Like, like yeah, is so, it, is it so even so a game? Yeah, we, I mean, you're in or you out can, because it's just something like that's how it's interesting. Goes. I'm ready he, to learn more. 
he gets it could be it could be absolutely nothing like it could be absolutely nothing related to anything that we've seen maybe the world building maybe that's it it's just death stranding but you're a cat well what's the point that's what death stranding missed what what do you mean what's the point i mean the the point is it's a video game and you can be a cat with a backpack i mean that's the point of video games is being able to put you in somewhere else so i don't want to be a cat with a backpack i have allergies (laughs) well this is a way you can play allergy free yeah i don't think that's gonna happen virtual cats shed no dander (laughs) (laughs) no they do i I can tell coming out is that supposed to be a launch title uh, 2021. No, I don't. So I don't know if it's not coming out on launch. So, what what do we have so far at launch? Spider Man. So, so let me tell you about the Ratchet next title, Devin, in our list that is actually coming out at the launch. We think it's coming out at the launch. All right. So let's talk about Godfall. First thing I think we can all agree on yes. about Godfall is why on earth did they choose that music to go along uh, with that yeah. trailer? Oh no 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 no! Don't even why do they choose that? This is Gearbox. This is getting your yeah, stream like, claim box. No, Thank this, you. This like, is never stream a reaction. Had to have, like chosen that for them because that was just really Gearbox and really cringeworthy music. Never stream a reaction to a Gearbox anything game because you're gonna get claimed off the music alone. They license their music. It's almost kind of their bread and butter right now. Like if they came out and were like, "We're gonna do a, a, a you know, a Borderlands Four reveal thing," I'm gonna be like, "I'm gonna watch that from the privacy of offline." You know, I'm just like, I'm just <laughs> going to enjoy that because there's no point in reacting to it. Uh, it's better just to film it, cut out the audio, try to edit the video any which way. So like, if you're going to post and talk about it, but at the end of the day, it's a freaking looter slasher. Uh, I think everybody here in this square. <laughs> likes our looter games uh, <laughs> anything else like they sold this on me like when they announced it like i was like this looks yeah. great we saw some combat let me know when i can go hands-on with it oh and it's also coming to pc all right yeah. <laughs> i, I, I think probably the, playing it i think the interesting thing about godfall is so we we had seen combat previously that leaked from a police a PlayStation Four um, development build that they were building in a while ago, and it did show off a lot of combat. There was some new combat shown off in today's trailer, but there wasn't a ton of new stuff. We did get to see a shield. Yeah. We did get to see um, new enemies, but I I still don't know exactly what type of game it is like. Are we going to the level that this is a Souls game where this is timing-based and parry-based and rolling-based? Because there is some of that, but it also looked like it might just be like a little bit higher than just a button masher. It didn't look like that. But I th- I still have a lot of questions about it. Like, I'll go and we'll make a video and dissect it. But, I mean, I st- it, it really frustrated me. Like, you guys could have had a really epic score and added on to this like they did the first trailer. But instead, they just had the music that didn't fit with it at all. And it just kind of, like, killed the tone of the game for me. I, don't, I mean, as weird as that sounds, it, like, killed the excitement of watching the new trailer. Because I am excited about Godfall. I am excited about to see if it's a looter. The PlayStation Twitter account tweeted out that it is an action um, that it's an action game. It didn't even say that it was a looter. It didn't say that it was a Souls game. It just said that it was an action game. We did get to see some of the multiplayer in it because there was other characters there, but that was only for like a split second, so we still don't know exactly what that is in the game yet either. And well, this is talked about unlocking the armor instead of, you know, looting the armor right like you unlock it right. okay yeah it's, it, it's different it's like is it like you're saying the thing's changing I, don't know. 
I I think it's yeah. changing because it's going to be very Warframes Warframe esque. Like you're not going to be piecing together pieces of armor. If you're going to unlock the silver main set, you get the entire set. Then you're going to upgrade the weapons because they've been putting out teases of the weapons. They did a little tra- um like a little tweet a Twitter trailer online talking about the sunblade that that you get. So it's not going to be anthem like where you just mix and match your stuff together. It's not going to be that. It's going to be more Warframe. So I don't know. Um, so Zoelia in the chat says it looked PSO style to me. I mean, it's very possible. I, I, don't, I haven't played PSO. Brian, you've probably played a ton of PSO. So you probably can speak to that. But it's just... um, well, it depends. Like, so for PSO, like PSO is third-person action, you know, combat with varying roles and different types of weapons. So that could give you that vibe in that way. I like the visual setting. So PSO is very future fantasy. This is very kind of medieval, almost in a way. Um, I would say there's a little, I feel a little Viking or there's a little bit like the art style in and of itself has that like very like grand fantasy. Yeah. Very uh, epic uh, fantasy. Yeah. Epic fantasy nobility to it and its design. Um, I would say though, like if it ends up being something where it's a lobby base. So if if it's got drop in and drop out multiplayer, I think it's awesome. Um, if it's got like a lobby and you have kind of a shared world or varying kind of like you go on this mission and this is like yours and your friends can join you or you can open it up. Uh, I think that's going to be great. So we obviously still don't know enough and which we need to, it, we need to know more about the game, um, prior to this fall. Like, I think they need to have a very clear vision of what it is. Otherwise our imagination could go and our expectation could be set incorrectly and thus, it could maybe not live up to it. So if it isn't going to be this grand epic, they need to start setting some context now and explaining how it's going yeah. to work and what it's going to play as. And they have this summer <clears> to do that. Otherwise, if we're still going into the fall, kind of curious, it definitely would be a, a wait and see rather than a pre-order. Yeah. I, I mean, mean we all- it didn't look like there was enough enemies on the screen for three players anyways. I mean, there was maybe four or five enemies tops at one time on the screen. And if it's three player co-op, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they're stronger and harder to fight, but... Yeah, and, and like I said, it depends on what kind of enemies are they. Are they just, like, you know, yeah. mowing down drags, or are they actually going to be tough to fight, and, you know, you have to learn pattern and pattern recognition and stuff, so... So, hey, I mean, it could be the Warframe of the PlayStation 4 era. We all know, like, how that game started out on PS4 at launch and where that game has ended up and the massive player base that is built in, you know, those multiple, multiple years, so... Games can turn around. All right, let's talk about Returnal. This is Michael's favorite Tom Cruise Urinal? movie. I don't Did you know say you're talking about this one? That's what it all reminded. Like as soon as it brought the the name out, Returnal, and it was yellow like urine. I was like, that's like urinal. I was like, that's a horrible name. <laughs> that's a horrible style game. choice. That's <laughs> a horrible. Decisions like, were made. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, who who chose this name and then made it yellow? It's like. Come on, that's just saying urinal. Come on, <laughs> that's I mean, that's what it said to me. That's all I remembered about that whole trailer was just the ending where I was like, "What the crap, urinal?" <laughs> and so, yeah, huh? I yeah. Now that you say yeah. that, like that makes sense because I was like, "Yeah, Returnal's a dumb name anyway." But now, yeah. like, I make that connection, and I'll never be able to say it. Yeah, you never can't. Un- un- never to be now. unseen. Never to be unseen. So you remember. You remember that Tom Cruise movie, Lived I Repeat? They also changed the name yeah. of that movie because it was confusing. So maybe they'll change mm-hmm. the name of Returnal because it sounds a little bit like Urinal. All right, so we have a game <laughs> where you are a pilot. You crash land on a planet, 
And it is, you go in, you die, you learn a little bit more, you come back, and you start over. This game looked really interesting to me. It looked different. Except that's every game that we've ever played. You go in, you die, you learn to dodge the things, you go in again, like... Like we've done this one before, but that's like this is all we story, ever though. do. It's not just like us dying and going back in. This is like dying in there. You're supposed to learn from it. But I mean, it's just like that. The game that was shown off last year for Xbox, that 12 minute one that already came out where you have 12 minutes to accomplish stuff. And then you die and start over. And it's like, what can you do in those 12 minutes? And you keep progressing or whatever. Um, and the gameplay did look good. You know, uh, once they finally actually kind of showed gameplay, but, I mean, if you go off what the internet says, if it doesn't have UI, it's not gameplay. So, um, <laughs> I'm not Cause, salty about cause it. Because you, you can't turn those things off. <laughs> no, but you can in Outsiders, <laughs> uh, which is really awesome. Um, but, no, I mean, it looked, definitely looked a lot more interesting to me once they actually showed her, like, firing and, and, and trying to kill enemies and different things. It's like, oh, okay. That looks a lot more interesting to me than the beginning of the trailer where it was all the cinematic type stuff. Yeah, I like I like story in games, so I'm excited for this one. I mean, it looks interesting to me. I guess it depends on how much time they expect me to put into it. I mean, is this yeah. like a 40-hour game? Is it like a 10-hour experience that we can just go through? And, what would and you want? Done? Would you want a 10-hour experience? Do you want a 40-hour game? Like, I, I enjoy um, stories that are told concisely and don't meander and have a purpose. So if this is a 10-hour game, like this looks like it'd be a fun 10-hour experience. If this is like a 40-hour game, I don't know. I mean, how many times can you live, die, and repeat? Um but I'm interested. I I am excited to see what it's all about and see if Tom Cruise makes a cameo appearance in this game with a helicopter blade. <laughs> it for costs a sword, too much. So. Just so you know, that's actually a really good movie. All right, it so, is. I enjoy so it. Knock it. I'm not I knocking it. I like, I, like, I like that movie. I, like, I watch I like it every three days. Really? At least I at least I think I do. Are you sure? I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> All right. Sackboy, a big adventure. So Sackman is back. It's not it's not Sackman. Sackman's a different supervillain. You don't that's ever a different wanna, thing. Yeah, you don't ever want to go up against think, Sackman. I think Gandalf fought him in the goblins tunnels down in uh <laughs> Oh, that, no, you're thinking Balchinian <laughs> from um, Men in Black 2. That's who you're thinking about. Um, super Big Planet. Sorry, I have to refocus here. Come on, Mike, bring it in. We're Sorry, I apologize. Um, Sackboy, A Big Adventure. This looks like we got the Sackboy from Super Big um, Super Big Planet. It's not Super Big Planet. Little What's it called, Devin? Little Big Planet. Thank Little you. Big Planet. Um, platformer, multiplayer. I don't know why this game is not a launch title. This seems like it should be a launch title for a PlayStation 5. Um, it's weird that it's Is it not, not a launch title? No, I think it's um, um, I to be announced. Are I you didn't sure? see a date on it, I, but that's my whole thing. I didn't see a date. So. Well, and but I was kind of just like, oh, it's. I mean, it just looks like it's on the PlayStation 4. I, I don't know. I mean, it wasn't like, hey, this is next-gen... I guess that's my problem, right? We're going into these things and we're trying to be like, show us what next gen is really is. And some of the games did, they showed us some cool stuff, but then you also have smaller double A or indie games that they're cool games, but what are they? I mean, if you're trying to show me this as your PlayStation five game, I don't know. I mean, it's just frustrating. Like I just didn't really see anything in that little glimpse that said, Next gen, you know, next 9. gen Sackboy, ten point two variable frequency, teraflops. Stop saying numbers to me. 
but but you're right um seven hundred dollars i mean we yeah. i mean if you if you go back and look through i mean there's a lot of pretty looking textures but like you said this is not something that would be impossible on a playstation 4 yeah. So we so we don't know exactly what it is, and we haven't had. There was not a little big. Was there a little big planet on PlayStation Four? Yeah. Has there been a little big? They've pl- had. Yeah, they had. I think they had two of them, and they were produced. One was produced by Media Molecule, like early on, and then they had another one that made an, another game after that. <clears throat> While Media Molecule was working on Dreams, so. Yeah, and they're still working on Dreams. Surprised they didn't and say anything know, about who's Dreams making this thing. this one. Who's it's making not a PlayStation it? Five game? So. Um. So, so that's Sackboy. I mean, does anyone have anything exciting to say about Sackboy? I mean, I never got into Little Big Planet, so it's not something that I'm particularly cool nostalgic for. I thought it was nice. Yeah, yeah, I, I it, was, it, it was a little floaty, and so I would yeah, say it was super floaty. I would say versus uh, Super Mario Maker Two, like Mario Maker Two, hands down. Like, I think that's a better uh, platformer. But now it's interesting what you can do and how and the freedom that they gave you. Um, I, I don't think I ever finished it. I think I just kind of played around building levels and doing different things and that was that. <laughs> yep. So that's Sackboy, cool. a big adventure. This will be one of those games that if you have kids, they will love this and there's a lot of multiplayer in it. So, all right. Then we got, I mean, man, we have a lot of games that we still want to cover. We'll go through a couple of these quick. Ghostwire, Tokyo, Ghostwire, Tokyo. So that was the gameplay reveal. That was a weird horror game set in Japan. Um, I'm not too big on Japanese horror, so this game is not of any interest to me. I don't know if any of us are horror fans here on the show currently. Even so, wants me to play horror games. I I think Devin, it would be hilarious if you did more horror games streaming, um, because <laughs> just like, to see, just to see the reactions. Well, we already know like Devin cannot handle even knowing that there's an alien on that station somewhere with him. It just freaks him out. So it'd be really funny There's to an watch alien him. somewhere. Exactly. Um, like, cool for people that are into horror games. Like, I'm excited that you have more games that you can get to play and you get to enjoy. This one's coming out in 2021. This will be a pass for me. So, all right. Then Hitman 3. Hitman 3 is a huge, beloved series that people love. Um, Hitman 2 was super successful, very popular. And now we're getting the ultimate, the last chapter in that trilogy of the hit of that Hitman trilogy. They didn't say it was the last one ever. There's probably going to be a lot more Hitman games. I'm guessing, probably some mobile, some because I know there's a lot of iOS. There is a iOS Hitman game, but yeah. So Hitman Three is going to be coming January 2021. So this is actually pretty close um, to the launch window. They'll, they'll probably say this was a launch window game, not like a launch yeah. title game, but it was in their launch window. And Rustin, launch window of like four months. Yeah, Rustin yeah. says, "Did I hear that right? Devin should do more horror game screamings." Yes, <laughs> if he should, he should do more of those. So yeah, Hitman. Like Brian, are you a Hitman fan? Nope. I'm not <laughs> against it. I'm just I've never. No, I've just it's never been. It's not really my thing, right? I mean, it, never it, been my thing. Um, yeah. And it's like people talk about it; they're excited. I've seen some gameplay. I'm like. Yeah, just not my thing. Like that's cool. It, y'all enjoy. Not gonna, right. not gonna sit here and be like, you shouldn't play this game. Like, no, it, it sold well. Uh, it's got a long history, a great fan base. Like, cool. Um, yeah, and maybe if I ever, like, it's just, it's. I've gotten to the point in my life where it's like these are the games that I really enjoy. Occasionally, like through like services like Game Pass, I'll maybe try it. But um, yeah, I don't really like the. You know, this is not my thing. Yeah, <laughs> long way of saying. 
<laughs> and it's okay if you don't like a game. No, mm-hmm. the the world will continue to spin if we do not like a game someone else likes. So talking mm-hmm. about games that people like, Demon Souls Remake. This is the game that kicked off all these games that people like end up throwing controllers through walls. They end up um, in divorce. Um, kids. Divorce. Uh, divorce. The the divorce. Divorce. That's a weird way to divorced. say the word divorce. Um, Demon Souls remake. A lot of people are really excited about this. This has been rumored for a really long time. It's going to be a remake. Um, it's being built from the ground up. Hopefully, it can capture that exact feel. Because for a game like this, people are going to be really upset if it does not feel like Demon Souls. Because mm-hmm. I mean, the precision. Of the Souls game, it's like if it's even if it's off, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be really mad about it. But I mean, I've only started playing um, Dark Souls three, so I'd have no nostalgia for Demon Souls. So hey, maybe I'll pick this up. I don't know. Maybe I'll never play another Demon Souls game or another Souls game after I beat Dark Souls three because of how crushing it is and demoralizing it is to lose all those souls in early in the morning. So <laughs> I might not do that at all. But there are a lot of people that are really excited about this. So this is a really this is pretty cool. I don't know, Devin, did they say if this was going to be exclusive to PlayStation 5? No, it's it's not. But if it is, uh, just have a timed exclusive, just like that Tokyo game uh, two games ago that we talked about. That's a timed exclusive. So it'll be like a two-year exclusive deal that Sony has this game for like two years? I don't know. I don't know. They'll pull another Bungie and have us pay the same price and not get content. I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. When it come, when it actually comes out, they didn't give a date, so I'm not sure. Cool. And then, so let's see. Let's see, Deathloop. Which one was Deathloop? Deathloop. That was the one where he's That's the one the, where you the crash the on the planet and right. you're, yeah, and you live to repeat. We covered this one no, already. No, no, Death, no, sure no Deathloop is different. That's the second game. I'm he sure does the of same it. thing as that other game, but he, it was all the, like, the, it was the this one is from the Arcane Assassin's Studios, one. right, from Bethesda and Arcane, and, and yep. he's trying to get through there, and everybody else on the island is trying to kill him, and they really enjoy murdering him, as they said so in the trailer, and yeah. Was there anyone that, so, like, we play a lot of games where you shoot people and they respawn and you fight them again. This one, like, to me, and I don't know, maybe it was just the way that it came off, but I was like, oh, I I don't know if I want to play this game because it looks like you just shoot a lot of people. I mean, they didn't even look like real people. They were very stylized. It almost looked like they were clones or some weird bodies. They were robots or something, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. This, it did not. I guess the shooting mechanics didn't look interesting to me. Interesting to me. Just when I saw it, I was like, "Oh, here's another game where we shoot people." And maybe I'm just kind of over that, and I'm looking for something different. And then maybe that's why, like, the story games are a little bit, you know. I mean, this game does have a story, and like the production quality of of the trailer was amazing. Like, it sounded good, voice acting was great, the music was great, but it was just another let's go shoot something again. And that just did not get me excited. I don't know. Maybe that was just me. Maybe it just caught me at the wrong time. But yeah, I just was not excited to um, to play Deathloop. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I wasn't either. I, like so. all of it. Like, I'm, I mean, I feel like my answer is a little bit on, on a Deathloop of we just need to see more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Take a stand, it's, Brian. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we just, we just need to like make a watch, make a hard call right now. Well, make I, mean, call, I guess I'll be playing <laughs> Destiny on PS5. You know, it's like, yeah. like okay, like, it'll that's be 60 what, frames great. per second. Exactly, be- I'm happy, and they got the cross generational coming. And then next year, after that, they're shooting for that yeah. true crossplay. You'll be, you'll be yeah. playing Destiny like, Two on the PlayStation. Why 6. does it take? 
two years, three years to get crossplay. I don't know. It doesn't. Speaking of something that we're all probably going to play, um, <laughs> Horizon Zero Dawn Forbidden West. This was the game. <laughs> this was the trailer. We don't know when it's coming out. It doesn't matter when it's coming out. We'll wait for it. This was the game of this showcase that I was like, yep, that's why I'm buying a PlayStation 5. for To have that experience. Even if I only play that game, I think my PlayStation 5 will be worth it. Because it looked amazing. Like, Horizon Zero Dawn, the first one, is already an amazing game. I haven't played it yet, and hopefully it's going to be coming to play um, to the PC, it's coming what, to PC sometime next week, I this hope. This summer. Um, <laughs> I wish it was next week. I was hoping for an announcement on that, but apparently it wasn't going to happen. But the game looks gorgeous. Um, we saw mm. the big robotic giant snapping turtle. Spoiler alert. Then we saw the giant, you know, elephant, like Sam and, Samwise <laughs> Gamgee and Frodo were sitting on the edge of the riverbank, and they see, you know, the elephants coming through, and you're like... Yep, that's the game I'm going to play. Um, man, it just, the game looks so good. So good. Well, so I mean, good. The, the trailer looked good. We'll see if the game actually looks so like good. the trailer. We'll see. So We've got to play it. Me? Um, yeah, I mean, I think for me, that uh, that's, so they started off strong with Spider-Man, Ratchet and Clank. In the middle was just kind of like, here's a whole bunch of games. It's kind of meh, you know, and then... Uh, that for me, plus the console reveal, was what really saved the the show for me. Because um, without it, it would have just been like, okay, they start off strong and then just went for the rest, you know, type of thing. I don't know. So, but. so real quick, we'll, we'll we'll burn through these last couple really quick because I want to talk about like expand on what Devin's talking about. So they showed off Horizon Zero Dawn, which is going to be awesome. Resident Evil Village, like if you're into Resident Evil, you're excited about that. If you're not into it, I mean, the game looks really good, but it's a horror game and it's a Resident Evil game. So there's that. Um, Little Devil Inside, this is an indie game that has been in development for a really long time. It was kickstarted. I think the art style looks amazing. I love it. Oh, that's yeah, my jam. Cool. I'm all in for it. Okay. Destruction All-Stars. This was the weirdest showing of a Destruction Derby <laughs> or people just running around a Destruction Derby. I have no idea what this game is. It didn't make any sense to me. And there was a lot of people like looking at the camera. This feels like this game was made for Twitch and people to play on Twitch, but it had, I had zero interest in playing this game. It looked really weird. Uh, Kenya Bridge of Spirits. This game was made by a development team of I two like brothers. It. This game looks super cool. Super excited to give this a go. It had Studio Ghibli vibes to it. Um, I don't think it's just the two of them at the studio. They're they're part of the studio. Oh, I thought there was just a two man development team. No, I don't think so. I, I to me it was like they're like speaking for the studio, but they're from okay, a small gotcha. team, and their brothers like they they leave the studio. But I don't think it's just them. Okay, that makes more but sense because like, two brothers working on a game like that for that long, no way one of them doesn't die. Um, <laughs> then we had Jet the Far Shore. This is a game where you're doing a lot of exploring. Bug Snack, which was the weirdest thing. You eat strawberries, oh you turn into strawberries. Was, those people were on drugs when they made that game. My kids were fascinated by that. But it, was just, <laughs> it was like, yeah. It was like, yeah, kids will love this game, but coming up with the, this idea. You are what you eat. And then the thing at the very end actually scared my three-year-old. And I'm like, that's oh, just no. a weird, like, everything's, I ate a strawberry. Now my arm's a strawberry. And there's monsters. Yeah, it's like my hands are wieners. Like, <laughs> yeah, I dropped a microphone with my wiener hands. It's like, eh, it's a bad choice wording, maybe. I don't know. So then there's Bug Snack. That was weird. Solar Ash, which was um, from the developer of Hyperlight Drifter, which is a super awesome mini game that people should go play. Astro's Playroom. Astro's Playroom. Um, 
I have learned from the chat that this is going to be bundled with the PlayStation 5. That this to me is was be... like, oh, this has to be a bundled game. <laughs> yeah, so um, Astrobot was a VR title for the PlayStation 4, which was super popular, and it was a really good game. This is going to be like a little like a playground of just things for the game. So kind of interesting. That's going to be added in. Then Oddworld. Um, there's an Oddworld showed off. If you don't remember Oddworld from the PlayStation 1 days, I think there was one that came out recently also. But this looked like a very Lemmings-esque game. There's a bunch of these little guys following you around, and you can jump them through a bunch of fire or pits or traps, and they all die or whatever. Um, so there's more of that. So there's a lot of games. There's a lot more in there that we probably skipped. I'm sure there's one that someone's like, you forgot to talk about this game. Why aren't you talking about this game? There's a lot of games to talk about, so I apologize for that. Um, but there's a lot of cool stuff. So speaking, like, overall, um, we got Devin's thoughts. Overall, Brian, I would like your thoughts on the Sony State of Play today. So um, I got what everything I wanted except for a price uh, on that point. Like, I was really hoping that we'd finally get some form of a number but all this then confirms is that all this is fluid. And what this tells me, whether I'm right or wrong, is that Sony's statement, especially at 2013, is that they had two, like this just makes me say, yeah, yeah. they totally had two presentations. Yeah. One where they pulled the camera and all of a sudden it's like, okay, yeah, our, the price was always 400. No, 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 no. Yeah. is 500. You just waited so that way you could come in uh, for that. And essentially that really won them the generation, you know? being the most powerful, cheapest console. So we'll see if uh, Xbox has that ability to repeat it. Uh, I thought the presentation, like when you look at it and you look at Sony's presentations, especially at A3, E3 uh, over the last years before they just kind of finally pulled pulled out completely, this was on point. This was them learning from Nintendo. This was like every moment was filled with a curated, edited kind of approach. And you can kind of hear it with the music whenever they would finish the thought and then you hear like that beat and they were right into something else. There was no downtime. There was no awkwardness about it. I thought it was produced well. I do wonder why are they showing off uh, like the PS5 and gameplay footage in 1080 at 30 frames a second. It's not like visually going to do the trick, but maybe that was a limitation of, I don't know. Um, but for me, though, like my, I, my heart, the hardest thing, like, I'm glad we, we get to see the system. I'm loving all the memes about it. But personally, like, it does remind me a lot more of the 360 with that, like, that inhale concave uh, kind of design. I, I just, I like the controller a lot more. I, at least we got that. If we didn't get that, at least uh, I would have been really like, just show me the system for the love. Um, and then finally, the thing I like even more than anything that they showed was that there's a digital only edition like, yeah. right at launch i don't need another thing that plays discs i don't use discs my car uses discs uh that's so, where we use discs and it's like just i'm going to download those games i want them digitally um if ps5 supports my virtual library i'll be i'll be very happy if they do not uh i won't be purchasing ps5 games except for like a handful of only on playstation 5 things and, the, and it's just going to be my dust gathering machine it really just depends on how they manage my account into the next generation. I think that digital only is, it's a great idea, but it's also an easy way for them to cut the costs. And then on all their commercials, they can say starting at like three ninety nine or four forty nine, mm-hmm. which is great. So, which is great. And so that, that way they can still have that lower price. And I mean, Xbox, they've all done it this generation anyways, both, in their marketing, like starting at this price. And so I, I think it's a great idea. And hopefully Microsoft follows suit because I don't need a disk drive. Um, you know, I have an Xbox one X 
So I, that's what I put my ultra high def movies on. And I have like 10 of them because I don't really care. Because <laughs> uh, everything else I watch digitally, right? And mm-hmm. all my games are digital. I don't, I, you know, the only time I have physical copies of the games, I give them to Mike because I ordered them on accident um, and forgot to cancel them. <laughs> and uh, everything else is all digital since the, like the last year of the 360. And so I'm, I'm more than happy to be able to buy a cheaper version without a disk drive and, you know, on both systems for the series yeah. X and the, and the PlayStation five. So. Yeah. so, so Mike, give us your thoughts and chat, give us your thoughts also. And we'll uh, read off some of your comments on the show. So I enjoyed the show. It wasn't a bad show. There were, there are definitely games that I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to look into this one. And there were the ones that I'm like, no, I'll pass on those. Um, the console looked fine. Uh, I like the kind of new futuristic styling kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, and it was, it, I mean, it wasn't a terrible show. I don't have, I don't have too many negative, I don't have any negative things to say about it. It showed um, the pricing was definitely missing and very obvious that it was missing. But, you know, the controllers looked, they looked ergonomic. They looked um, like they would do what they needed to do. So does not, this not convi- a terrible show. Does this convince you to buy one? No. There was nothing, there was nothing in this that convinced me to buy or to not buy. Like yeah. I've always like I'm like yeah I'm gonna get it as long as it's you know not like seven hundred dollars like if it's like seven hundred right. bucks like I'll wait like it'll come down you know if the uh, you know if it's seven hundred dollars and the one without a disc is six hundred well I mean I'm getting the one without a disc drive anyway so that's where my price point kind of starts to waver like six hundred dollars I've been saving up for already like six months I'm planning on getting the Series X as well so it's like yeah that's where that all is existing so. Um, but there's something here that said, no, I'm not in, or yes, I'm totally in. Like I was already in. And so it was just like, this was just pure entertainment and excitement for me to see previews of some of the things that I hope to be playing, uh, later this year. Maybe the only game that really said I had to buy it was horizon. And that's who knows when that's coming out 2022. There's no date or that's a killer launch title. If they hit that at launch, like that's, that's something that's like. Yeah. Oh, you're like let's play Horizon this this Christmas. Yeah, but and there and there was nothing debuted today that was that told me that I needed to add a PS5 to to my entertainment center. So, but it's so, the same. I would say the same kind of my my comment is echoed as about the Series X because I can also play all those games already. Like I'm confirmed can play Halo Infinity on my Xbox One X. Right. So both of these gen- consoles right now, as they sit today, are. I can wait or I can opt in. And I honestly appreciate that. Uh, not having this FOMO, not having this like, Oh, I missed mm-hmm. out on this great experience, you know, in that regard. So I actually, as an adult, I really appreciate the fact that I don't have to say goodbye to everything I currently own just to play one or two games. That right. I yeah. So Zoila from right. Stacey, Zoe, Zoila. I'm, Zoila. I'm probably say that again, Brian. Zoila. Zoila in chat And says, if I'm butchering it, then I've been butchering it for years. <laughs> well, well, says, I'm buying for Horizon. I'll be getting disk drive one because I have a decent amount of PS4 discs. Um, so that's a good point. If you purchased, you know, physical um, games in the past and mm, they are yeah. backwards compatible. So that's a good reason to carry them forward, especially if there's no way to like, you know, prove that you purchased this and get that get that license digitally. So yeah. good point. Something that we did not think about. Um, I don't own a PlayStation 4, so I don't have a backlog. So I'll be getting the digital version. So like looking back on the conference, I thought it was really interesting because like Devin said, like Microsoft, they did their third party thing in the beginning. 
Um, they did it last month. I think if if Microsoft were to have done it differently and put all those titles in with all their first party titles, it would probably feel bloated and you know a little disjointed. I think some of this kind of felt disjointed. I would I don't know if I much rather would have preferred if Sony just said, "Hey, this is our first party stuff. Here it is. Get it." And it's only a thirty minute show that really wows you and says, oh, wow, this is crazy. Um, but also, I think games like Little Devil Inside, you know, um, you know, things like Bug Snack and Solar Ash, they wouldn't have had that. Those would get completely ignored. Right. They would have they, gotten ignored. Yeah, and that's where it's like one of the strengths of being on the stage, one of the strengths of being included in this uh, is the fact that you're going to have way more eyeballs on this. You're going right. to get eyeballs yeah. on, let's say, let's say Sony tomorrow said, here's our third party, whatever. You're going to get eyeballs on that because Sony's kind of initiating that conversation, but you wouldn't get as many as if they're saying PS5 revealed. Right. And yeah. So being on that, that reveal, like, I, I I hear you. Like it did feel like somebody was like saying, like, it might be two hours. I go, that's, that's too long. Like you want to be Bob, you know, you know, because there's only so much the you know information the mind can like absorb. Absorb. That, you know, in that case, so there's, yeah. you know, that's why I felt like the things I wanted more information on, we didn't get more, and so it's gonna be like, okay, wait. Right, because if you think back on the the Xbox broadcast that they had last month, if you were to stop and think what games they showed off, how many of them mm-hmm. would you be able to to remember? I remember the weird remember alien penis thing because of yeah, the alien scorn. penis. That's the only reason why we remember that. <laughs> Um, always be remembering them penises. Yeah. So there's that, <laughs> but a, but a lot of them, like, it's hard to remember all of them that came out and it has been a month and we have very short term, you know, we, we have short attention spans, but I think something like this, where I will remember little devil inside because of the, just because of the game, you know, but I never would have found that game alone on a Kickstarter. So, so it's weird. Um, I hope that Microsoft comes and they, you know, really have something to show. Because this was a really good showing from Sony. I really enjoyed the stuff that we saw. Like, I think there's a lot of cool games coming out. Like, like Horizon just, I mean, that game, like, hey, here's another game that's going to be game of the year. You know, here's the, so Zwellia from the chat says Spider-Man trailer has 2.4 million views. And I think there were 7 million people tuning in to the broadcast. So a yeah. lot of eyes on it. I think a lot of us wanted to see the box. They man, they teased that thing so hard at the end. Like I cannot <laughs> imagine them like extending how long they did not show us the box. Um, but yeah, it's like like for me the the form factor of the PlayStation like whatever. I mean the PlayStation Three was weird. Um, the PlayStation Four was weird. Like I mean I guess the PlayStation I mean, Four was it's fine. It's a huge but console. It, I mean, it is very tall. It's very it's, long. It's not the size it's, of the unit, Devin. They're saying it's, it's like use sixteen it. use inches it, yeah. tall, right? So, and how it's many? Sixteen, sixteen, right? And so, like in volume, this console is going to be larger than the Series X, but it's also weaker. And so, I don't know. SSD, Devin, I/O speed, double the gigawatts. Do you know what a magnetron heat. is? SSDs create heat for sure. <laughs> a magnetron, Magnaflux, uh, couplet. Uh, <laughs> not destructive testing. What's going on? Uh, no, I, I thought it was crazy. It's weird. You know, people were like, "Can you lay it on the side?" Because it's the same thing you said for the Xbox. And yeah, you can. But it's, you know. Oh, like... so speaking, of, I, w- I want to talk about the laying on the side thing. Like, it doesn't really lay on the side. You put it like in a little egg holder. That sits on top of the thing. Like the thing that holds it up, that same platform. Yeah, the stand. 
yeah, you just kind of turn it on the side. That's weird. But um, I'm going to hide it underneath my stuff anyway where I play it. So I, I think we get really like hooked on what things look like when we just kind of hide them anyway. It is weird that it's two-toned and it's white. There were some people being like, oh, they're definitely going to offer two different colors. Um, guarantee they'll offer two different colors. Like, I don't think they're going to offer two different colors. This thing is going to ship black Not and white. Much. Yeah. And maybe somewhere down the line they'll like, hey, do the like. I really like the cool blue things. accents. Just to jump in on that, like I the like lights. the little lights that blue. I, I think that looks really nice. Yeah, and me. I, I like the one that doesn't have the disc drive. I think it looks cool. But at the end of the day, like I had a GameCube that was a lunchbox. It had a handle on it. So like whatever, <laughs> right? I mean, do you remember? We all remember the first Xbox, right? We remember how big and stupid that thing yeah. was. That thing needed that was, a handle. That was a beast. You could you could knock someone out with that thing. So I took that I mean, to many land parties. Yeah. So I just think it's funny that we get so hooked, you know, tied up in how does it look, and yours looks dumb, and mine looks dumb, and we all look dumb because we're all defending pieces of plastic. But I'm excited for this. This was the first show that has really gotten me excited about the new generation. Um, yeah. I'm excited to see what uh, Microsoft um, claps back with. Um, it's got to be price. They got to tell us how much that thing cost. Um, no, they're Halo... going to go first on price. No, I, I don't they're... think they will. I think everyone's going to wait to the last second. No one's going to say anything until they're Can't like, even I don't order know. it. Yeah, it's like, like no pay whatever you want it. for it. All right, <laughs> just whatever yeah. you think. A dollar. I'll give I you mean, a... it will be interesting to see what Microsoft does this month because it is rumored like. There's been all those rumors that the stuff they were going to show this month got moved to August so they can wait for PlayStation to show their stuff because uh, they did say every month they're going to do a little show and show off something. So whatever they show off here in June, I don't know. They said June was supposed to be different. July supposed to be tied in with the IGN like summer of uh, yeah. replacement for E3. You know, yeah, and that, like- that's, uh, that's a real quality show there but um you know like we're like we're, we're something special here but i mean Man, it's, it's just just let it go come on i mean just mm, yeah okay anyways um ambassador no, Devin, you're an ambassador just remember you I gotta be you gotta be on point you're a, you're a peacemaker you're a bridge builder i am a bridge builder he's an ambassador is what he is i can uh, certainly help you fix something but uh, no i mean it's gonna be interesting they're gonna wait you know july is where they're gonna show off first party they're also gonna show off more third party but it's really gonna be you know kind of what we talked about earlier is Let's see that first party. You've got 15 studios now to see if you add any more to your first party, see what they're bringing, you know. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't see anything there that looked better than Hellblade 2. Or not Hellblade, yeah. And uh, so. There was no Knack 3. So, like, there... I'm excited for the game. So right now, I would like, we're going to interject. We're going to stop right here. We are going to jump into this interview that we had with Jay from White Moon Dreams. He's the CEO over there. Um, he really wanted to, to tell us a lot of details, but he's like, eh, I probably shouldn't tell you that. I don't think I can tell you that. Um, talking with Jay was super cool. A lot of times we talk with developers and there's there's like this air of secrecy. Like, I can't tell you because it's secret and only game developers know. But Jay was like super open, willing to talk about all this stuff. Except for the stuff that he was like legally obligated that he could not talk about. So enjoy this um, interview with Jay from White Moon Dreams. It's about an hour long and hope you come back. I'm very grateful that you agreed to come on because... Oh. I mean, I've I've been following you guys when you first started with the whole War Machine Tactics thing that that first Kickstarter. Well, I guess I guess it would have been E3 2011 
when you guys showed oh, off the first um, third person um, uh, gameplay. War Machine like, action RPG yeah. that we were building. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, uh, this looks awesome. That's one of my favorite pieces still. Actually, Scott, our co-founder, uh, he was the one that kind of designed that designed that game. Right. And he was telling me, uh, he was telling me, like he still goes back and watches that trailer because that was like a that was a, that was that was an epic moment for us, right? Uh, like that's yeah. a, that's it's an IP that we've been in love with for a long time, and it's a uh, and like actually just having Matt Wilson say, yeah, fucking just go to town, <laughs> like you know, um, like what a dream, and that's what we did, you know. Well, so for for us, our podcast, um, we originally started out as just kind of like a, a podcast based around Bioware's Anthem when they announced that in 2017. Mm. Devin and I have been playing games for a long time with each other. And we just talked mm. about games all the time because we work together. And we're like, mm. let's just let's, let's start recording ourselves. We'll talk about games. And then, you know, after, you know, when when development happens and games get released and you're like, okay, I think it's time to pivot away and just kind of cover things in a broader spectrum. Because ultimately, it's like, we just love the industry and talking mm. to people that work in the industry. Because yeah. I, think, I think a lot of players just don't realize that actual people work on games. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's not just like, oh, this game is here now. <laughs> How did it get here? Right. Yeah, I think, I, think, I, I think that's true for a, a lot of products, right? A lot of things, a lot of, you know, films and all that. You know, like, there's just kind of, you, you're kind of, you get the box, from Amazon yep. and you forget like somebody had to pack that right and somebody had to manufacture the thing inside of it and you know somebody had to source the materials for it and everything um, you know it's really easy like we're in such a consumer based society it's really you know you're kind of abstracted from all the work that it takes and why should you know about it right, right? Yeah. you know but uh, I like that you guys are doing this uh, especially when you talk about it like that um, because we really do want people to know how these things are made, right? In fact, like one of our projects here is actually building a game development curriculum so we can actually train people in oh, cool. uh, in making games, you know, um, but not at the level that you kind of get at on YouTube and all that where it's kind of like, oh, here's a quick tutorial, but here's what right. you really need to know if you want to get a job making games, you know? Yeah, and that's awesome because that's one thing that we that we always talk about. It's like, why don't we just make a game? And we're like, because we don't know how to make a game. <laughs> and we, we could go to school for it and you get into all the debt. And the, and that's a question yeah. that always asks, right? How do I start making games? And to have yeah. like to have a seasoned development team being like, This is what you need to know. I mean, that would be yeah. so helpful to like a ton of people. Yeah, that's what we're trying to bring. Like, what happens if we kind of take that whole like, you know, Maybe you got a bachelor's degree before, maybe you didn't or whatever, but look, you know, like there's some basic things you need to know, right? Like if you're, if you want to be a programmer, you need to know how to do C++. You know, you need to know how to write code. We don't want to teach you how to write code. There's plenty of stuff out there to write code, to teach you how to write code. But if you want to, but if you want to take that knowledge that you have and turn it into making games, then you come, you get that base. And then you you bring it here. Or if you want to be an artist or a game designer or something, then there's a lot more there's a lot more like ground level stuff that we can do. But um, the whole concept of making games, you know, even for me when I started making games, I started making games professionally in 1995, um, and it's uh, it's well, this is year 25, but uh, <laughs> it's 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 it was so it was such a mystic 
process, right? I had a couple of years prior to that, before I got my first job in professionally making games, I was doing mods for games like Command and Conquer and Descent and stuff like that. And it, um, there's nobody teaching you this stuff. You had to kind of like go through like crazy text files and all this sort of thing. And even now it's still kind of like that. Yeah. So, you know, it's gotta, we gotta open it up because there are people out there, there are people out there that have really great ideas and the ability to execute, but they don't know where to start, you know? And it, and I think it is interesting because like, like the big companies, like they're so secretive about everything. Like, yeah, you can't talk to the developers at all. <laughs> even if you're like, "Hey, this is super cool. How'd you do this?" They're like, "Nope, can't talk to you. Everything's under NDA." Like, there's no peeks into anything that's happening. And it's like, well, I guess it is magic. I don't know. I don't know if robots are making the game or if it's just, you know AI made Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I don't know. <laughs> you know, like a. I've been I've been involved in I've been involved in uh, most of the console research and development efforts before they launch. You know, so um, you know, year and a half to two years before the before a, a new PlayStation or Xbox launches, like um, you know, we're usually we're usually working on it in some capacity, and uh, and it's been that way for me since the since since the early, uh, no sorry since the late '90s, right. Um, actually, no, probably before that because I was a, I did that for N sixty four, but um, <laughs> but you know like at some point some little bit like the the platform the console manufacturer releases some information about what they're doing right just like oh we have ultra fast something or you know we've got this special like look at the screenshot right <clears throat> for for about like one hour you get a bunch of people that are just posting bullshit. Right, like, oh, it's probably this and that and the other thing. Yeah. In about two or three hours, the internet has figured it out, right? And they are ninety-five percent right, you know, like they, 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 they have figured it out. So the, the the whole concept of secrecy for me, I understand secrecy for legal reasons and you know, right. like work with large, large IPs and all that sort of thing, but it's largely bullshit, you know, because <laughs> especially when you're talking about technology, somebody has already figured it out, right? I, I love the, um, the, you know, they had that Unreal 5 demo that they showed a couple of weeks ago and Digital Foundry came out maybe two days later and was like, here's how it works. But the Unreal guys are like, oh, it's so secret. You know, yeah. I love those guys. We work with them. <laughs> but like, but like, you know. Yeah, and and I, I think that's kind of trained us as as consumers of the product to be like so mistrusting when new mm -hmm. stuff comes out, right? Because, you know, we, we see the Unreal thing and we, and we see, you know, the character go through the little crevasse and we're like, hey, that's a loading screen. And they're like, no, it's not a loading screen. We <laughs> and we're like, we're pretty sure it's a loading screen. <laughs> I think it's just funny that that's how, I mean. Yeah, the consumer I, should be untrusting, right? Like I worked at EA, you know. I worked with teams that built that marketing material and I worked, I worked specifically on a project that, you know, where we were working with early hardware and we showcased something at E3 that was, you know, supposedly running on the early hardware, but it was actually not running on the early hardware. It was running on a computer. It was running You're on right. a mobile PC that, you know, was just, um, was just had like five GPUs in it. And, and, uh, <laughs> we were hoping to God it would run. And then if it didn't, if it wasn't going to run, we had a video already recorded to just play as backup. Yeah. yeah, as long as you don't show the mouse clicking play, then no one will know. <laughs> it's always yeah. funny at those E3s when they're if somebody 
gets behind the curtain to like lift it up. Oh, it's not, it's a, you know, dev kit or it's a PC or whatever. And the internet flips out about it. It's like, what do you I, think a dev kit is? You know, it's like, come on. It's, it's, it's true. I, yeah, actually, I remember the Xbox 360 dev kits were actual, um, they were, uh, they were the Max, right? Yeah. The power, were, the power Mac or whatever, Mac yeah, power, whatever it was. Uh, yeah. The, they had the big, the tower. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had like two of those under my desk and, you know, and the only thing special about it was that it had a special graphics card in it from ATI, you know, and the CPU worked, uh, the CPU worked very similar to what the Xbox CPU was going to work like, you know, and then even still, when we showed like the Xbox 360 version of the game, it was still running on a PC. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Jay, you, you had mentioned that you had been in the industry for, for 25 years and you mentioned looking at the 64. So like your, when you first got your hands on the Trident controller, like what were your initial thoughts? Cause that thing was so different. Um, well, first I held it like that. Right. And right. you're not supposed to hold it like that. You're supposed to hold it like this. So I'm like, yeah. how do we get to the joystick? How, yeah. How is this going to work? But then um, the uh, the thing about the thing about uh, well, so I was totally confused, right? Um, but this was so comfortable, right? And I wanted to do this. Um, so so I felt like I felt like uh, I, I I felt like that was going to be the the way we the way we the way we went um for the projects that we were working on we did assign things to the d-pad and all that up here but this became the natural fit so Mm -hmm. it continued to be odd to me through our development that you were basically not supposed to use half of the controller yeah you know um but but um but you know i think the like i did about four years of development on it and I stopped asking that question. It just, it just worked, you know, and all controllers have that, right? Like there's uh, like, how much do you use the tilt function or the gyro really in the PlayStation controller? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I always, I always look back fondly on the N64 controller. Cause it was so weird. Like just wrapping mm-hmm. it up was kind of fun. Cause it also had like a 10 foot long cord or something on that. On that thing. <laughs> yeah. but it just, it felt good in the hand. So yeah. today, like, I, I'm also curious, like, how, how did you even get started in the industry? Like, what was the driving force for you to be like, I have to be in this industry. I have to be in it for 25 years and longer. Like, what made you, like, how did you get to the point that you are now, I guess, in a, in a very long, I, if you have a short uh, story or a long story? <laughs> I don't know. Like, uh, I mean, the, the short story is I've always been into making video games. Always, always from my single digits. Like in, I think I made my first game in fourth grade, fourth grade. Wow. Yeah. On an Apple two plus or something like that, you know, and I was copying, I was copying code out of a, out of a book. And then I had to learn how to kind of debug the code myself. Um, and I was so interested in it because, you know, my, my dad had bought me uh, like a Odyssey two um, uh, console because we couldn't afford an Atari twenty six hundred, even, right. even though it was like reportedly under fifty bucks. You know, he could still go to like, he still go to Kmart and get this thing on clearance. So you know, I got that. But the idea that there was this whole experience happening here, and I could like 
control and interact with it. Like it was not my world. I was in somebody else's world. Like, eh, so good. So I kept making games, designing games with my sisters and my neighbors. And we were constantly, constantly making stuff. And I, uh, I submitted to something to Sega when I was in, uh, when I was in sixth or seventh grade and they picked it up. They thought, this is interesting. We should make a game on it. Oh, wow. And I still have like the letters from, uh, from Sega that were like, you know, this is really good, but my parents were not into the idea. Um, so they were like, we're not, we're not, you know, like, oh, no. and they needed parental <laughs> consent. <laughs> uh, so my parents weren't into it. And by the time that I convinced my parents that it was okay, Sega was transitioning from the master system to the Genesis and had completely changed the way that they worked with third-party developers. And so I couldn't be some eight-year-old or some eighth-grade kid actually like making a video game. Um, but uh, from there, you know, like my, my interest in it never, never went away, um, even though my parents really hoped I would do something else. And, um, and by the time I had uh, by the time I was in college, I had done like mods for Command and Conquer and Descent. And uh, while I was in college, I began working at uh, working in game companies, um, and uh, and that kind of took over everything I was doing. I didn't I didn't want to stop, and it's still it's you know it it all still drives me today. I don't see it ever stopping. I'm. You know, I work on the engineering side. I work on the art side. I work in business development, strategy, mergers and acquisitions, um, R and D. You know, and, uh, and I have a great team around me that uh, you know, like we're doing a lot of really interesting things. So, so yeah, that's you know, it's just it's just it's just passion. There's nothing else. There's nothing else I want to do. And frankly, there's nothing else I could do if if uh, something happened and we couldn't sell video games anymore. I, I could barely flip a burger. I got yeah. fired from McDonald's, you know, like, I... unless you can gamify it. Right. I bet you I can flip more than, burger than you can in one hour. So, Maybe. so you have this long career and then, um, so, I mean, you've been with Eagle Interactive, Paradox, Mumbo Jumbo Games, which is an awesome <laughs> name for a game studio. Um, <laughs> That's where I met Scott. Oh, nice. Yeah. What were you guys working at? Uh, working on at Mumbo Jumbo? So, uh, so uh, Scott had Scott had helped form that company before I even joined. That um, they uh, they had acquired the right to do a game based on the Myth franchise. If you remember, that was a game from Bungie from mm -hmm. a long time ago. So okay. we did we did uh, Myth Three: The Wolf Age. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was also one one company in there that you that I'm not sure if it's uh, I'm not sure if it's on my public dossier. It should be, but uh, it's called Looking Glass Studios. Oh, yep, Looking Glass. Yeah. So there was a there was a lot of uh, that 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 place was where we did a lot of really interesting, crazy stuff, and that's that's the company that really introduced me to the R and D side of games. That has has uh, kind of taken us. Uh, it's one of the reasons why War Machine Tactics got built. Okay. Um, because there was so much uh, there was so much R and D background there that uh, when we approached you know by the time we got to the point where we were doing War Machine Tactics I mean this is Looking Glass was in 1996 and War Machine Tactics I think we started working on it in 2013 and we were we were well positioned with with Epic to actually use the very 
most the, you know to use Unreal Four, which wasn't you know which was still like a good year and a half to two years away from being functional. But um, okay. but Looking Glass was very seminal to my career. But but yeah, so Scott I met at at Mumbo Jumbo and and uh, I I realized. I realized like that, like Scott, Scott comes from uh, uh, one of Scott's big uh, points, uh, like defining points in his career was actually being the individual that built the world of fallout, you know, for airplane oh, okay. back in the 90s, very early nineties. Um, and like, when you talk to the guy, you can see why fallout is the way it is. Right. So I was like, okay, I need to, I need to be attached to him forever. <laughs> and, and so far you have been yeah 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 that's right very very cool and then you also worked at insomniac and did some mm-hmm. time at ea it seems like everybody we talk to has done some time at ea in one form yeah. or another they're the they're the uh they're the mcdonald's of games right so <laughs> everybody gotta everybody gotta work the fast food at some point everyone's right. gotta go through there and then and then becoming the ceo of white moon dreams can you can you explain to our listeners what my, white moon dreams is because you're not just a video game developer because you do a lot of things you guys also publish games and then like yeah. you said you're into um development and a bunch of other things so yeah. how did it get started and and what is white moon dreams so white moon was singularly focused around the idea of like bringing scott's games to life Right. Like that's, that's it. We, you know, Scott was like, I have this idea, I have this idea and this idea and this idea. Right. And so the idea is like, kind of, how do we get towards that? Um, and it's a, it's, it's, it's hard, right. It's the entertainment field. Nobody's going to, nobody's just going to blithely say like, yeah, here's a bunch of money to do what you want. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have to do a lot of paying your dues to actually get there. You know, uh, nobody, nobody sees it. Uh, nobody sees like companies like Insomniac had to just go through a lot of slog right to get to their spiral the dragon to the ratchet and clank you know um you know spider-man all these things but you know it, it, it takes like 10 plus years so so that's so that's kind of the core vision right like let's make those let's make those games now um what white moon dreams is in order to make those in order to make those games there's a lot of other steps that we need to that we need to go through and a lot of those steps have involved building relationships with interesting groups and powerful folks and all that and taking our also like also a lot of our inherent ability and knowledge and actually turning that into things that benefit the game industry. So what white moon dreams uh, is, is, you know, at its core, we're a game company, right? And we're always trying to express Scott's game designs. The, there's a lot of other layers. We have a, we have a platform team. Um, and we're building uh, we're building a like uh, a general software as a service platform, um, which is all which is right now actually being used to power education. Mm-hmm. Um, we do an incredible amount of research and development for the game industry. So most things that you have put your hands on um, in the last in the last maybe eight years okay. uh, have had some involvement from us. Um, <clears throat> So there's a there's a lot of that, and then you know, of course, we've built I guess, a. I guess Jake, because that because that's something that I've never even considered mm-hmm. that there would be smaller studios that are doing other things instead of game design. So when you say yeah. you're like you're doing that stuff, like what does what does that entail? Are you guys building systems, tools for engines? 
Yeah, that's right. That's uh so sometimes we do things like that. Sometimes we might build we might build uh entire systems for popular game engines you might know about. Um sometimes we might take we might take an initiative that a that a platform holder, whether it's Microsoft or Sony or Intel or something like that, they might be developing some some technology that needs to be um that needs to be actually used by a game team and mm-hmm. and expressed in a certain way or they need to find you need to find holes in it or you need to help them flesh it out because they may hold the platform but you hold what you want as a game developer right and and uh and a lot of times we represent all game developers in that in that sense you know this is like as a game developer i would want to dot 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 with this okay. particular system so how do we fill in that dot 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 you know, and that involves an incredible amount of metrics, right? Like measuring how fast does the processor do this thing, um, and how many times can we do this other thing on that you know, while that process is running, or or even just like the simple simple idea of how many triangles can we put on the screen? All the, the triangles. Time? Yeah, let's put let's put them all on, right? You know. So, so, it's, so even though on on your guys' website it has the list of things that you've worked on, I mean, there's probably hundreds and yeah. thousands of other things that you guys have had your hands in. Mm-hmm. That's right. As a as a research and development shop, um, there's so much stuff that you just can't say. But what I can say is that we're still around. So right. Yeah. So something is powering us. So. Um, you know things like uh, you know like uh, Starblood Arena and War Machine and Concrete Genie, like all these games that we have credits on um, or have developed whole, they not, not haven't necessarily powered us in terms of revenue, which means that we're doing a lot of other things that actually make it um, that make it possible, but we just can't talk about it. Mm. Okay, gotcha. But but when you like see all the stuff during E3, you're like, yep, we we helped on that. We helped on that. We helped on that going down the list. Like, yeah, we helped on yeah. all those things. That's so. that, that, that is a, that is a lot of it. And actually that's sometimes what E3 is, is, um, you know, like we work on these things. We work on, we work with people that are remote. Like, you know, we've worked on a lot of stuff with Intel and the group that we worked with was in Ireland. Um, and we would see them twice a year, one at GDC and one at E3. And that's when, you know, they would show their stuff to the public and they would be super excited about it and they would take all the credit. And then, <laughs> and then they would have their they would have their party at night, and then we'd get all the drinks for free. Yeah. And you know what? You know they paid their bill. They bought us drinks. What more can you ask for? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you pay your bill on time. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all it's all yours. It's you know it's a it's a it's a great product. But we have you know we have other things that drive our ego. So. Well, that's really cool because that's something that I that I never even knew of. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm getting educated today on the game industry because before. Totally. It's, you make games and that's it. And but I guess there's a lot of other teams on the on the back end helping each other out. So that's right. Yeah. Very rarely are these things made alone. You know. Yeah. And, and that's why there's like 12 minutes of credits after. I mean, it it seems like before a long time ago, video game credits were very short, mm-hmm. and now they're getting about as long as you know a Marvel movie. <laughs> yeah it's true finger at the end of this game now am i going to wait for this finger at the end to see what's coming next (laughs) if i if i could actually put my name on if i could actually have my name on all the games that i was that i I actually worked on like actually had had my hands in the you know those games those games credits 
credits list would be so much longer because even especially back in the day, you know, um, there were some big seminal games that only put the people that worked on the game for more than 80% of their time at the company that the game was developed at. Oh, okay. If you spent 100% of your time at another company uh, at another company, and were contracted to work on the game, they didn't have to put you in. You know. Oh, so, so were you even were you were you able to even put that on a resume that hey I worked on this or was that like NDA you can't say anything about this unless you worked on this? Well, uh, I can I can put it on an NDA resume. How about that? Okay, yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, so now, like you're saying all this stuff that working on everything. Now I'm just like looking at the background. Like, man, is that like a dev kit for some console that we don't even know about yet? <laughs> oh, no, nah, that's all. You know, uh, PlayStation Four dev kit. Uh, here's a uh, that's a PlayStation Pro dev kit. It's a little hard to see in there. Yep. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's all there. There, there is definitely there's definitely um, there's definitely other hardware around here, but but uh, it's not it's not actually uh, visible to most people. It's, it's all in the R and D white room. Anything that's sensitive <laughs> is in special uh, special, special locked off areas. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, like, it, and that's just across the board. It's not just like the usual suspects. Anybody who has any sort of new hardware, new VR hardware, or new like even even if it's like a controller that like a controller manufacturer may be working on, like all that stuff needs to be put away. You know, yeah, I, re- I there's the story that that's been told about the um, I think it was a 360 dev kit that got stolen out of the Microsoft office because someone walked in and just like picked it up and, and took off. <laughs> like, maybe you should lock that up. I don't Had know. nice handles on it too. You could just, <laughs> yeah, just roll this thing out. And yeah. well, speaking of VR, Jay, like you're, you guys have been doing a lot of work in the VR space. Um, you're mm-hmm. working a lot with Sony on, mm-hmm. on their platform and VR is something that I just recently gotten into. I got a Windows headset. Um, really oh, yeah. enjoyed my time with it. Beat Saber is, is a ton of fun. That was one of our products, actually, the, the Windows was MR. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm, I'm supposed to say that. But you oh, know what? Let's, let's figure out what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, we can always bleep it out. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so I haven't tried Half-Life Alex yet. But as, as a developer for a VR platform, like, I know adoption is getting higher. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, what do you see as like the biggest hurdle for mass adoption of VR? Putting on the headset. Yeah, that's just, just I, like we lighter. we were. What's that? Does it just need to get lighter and no cords for more people to do it, or? That's it's it's that, but there's a, um, there's a there's a big demographic that is actually interested to play, but will not does not want anything messing with their hair. Okay. Um, and and I get it, right? Like I, I totally understand. But you know, like a peripheral is hard, right? Especially a peripheral you have to wear. That's that is that is the that is the biggest problem. Um, it doesn't mean it's uh, like it doesn't mean it's going to sink VR if that problem doesn't get solved. And I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think even with like AR and all that, we're really going to solve that in a in a fashion that will take over consoles or something like that, you know, will replace the PlayStation wholesale. Right. But, um, but like the things you mentioned, like being cableless, being lighter, those things all reduce the barrier to entry. And that's really what um, on the VR side, we're really trying to achieve. We do a lot of um, live action VR stuff where, you know, people wear like we've released several games actually in China that are, 
based on like you wear a backpack and you run around a room with a big gun and you're like shooting at other people or shooting at like, um, you know, things in the game and stuff like that. And, you know, the, the setup time for that, you actually have to work that into your business model of kind of, you know, how long does it take to kit a person out to put all the, to put all the um, tracking gear on them and then put on the backpack that has a laptop in it and the, the headset and all that sort of thing. That stuff is all, um, that stuff, you know, like you have to kind of remove all of those things. Now we're working like our latest iteration of that involves no backpack, no external cameras. It's just a headset you put on, right? So we're getting very close to that holy grail of just put on the headset and grab a gun and go, right? But we need to cross that next barrier of how can that headset be smaller, right? How can it be potentially projecting something into your eyes or something like that. And I'm, we're not going to solve that problem, but we'll work with the people who do. Right. And I, for VR, from my experience, everyone that has come over and tried it, like I think they will remember the first time they try VR and then they have that moment of, okay, yeah, I can see where this is going in the future. Because yeah. it's, I mean, it's so immersive that it's like, yeah, we want more of that. And I hope, mm-hmm. I hope eventually we're all you know, if we're if we're someday medically inserting VRs or changing out our eyes, our eyeballs, like I can't wait, dude. Be, yeah, like, <laughs> I can stick that jack in the back of my head. I'm good. <laughs> we're going into the matrix. We're going in all the way. Let's do it, dude. One hundred percent. So Jay, um, Devin and I are actually really big War Machine fans. It's been a long yeah. time played because tabletop uh-huh. gaming is really hard to <laughs> like. Well, especially now, it's not like you can come over and just play because of quarantine. But yeah, since two thousand and four, <laughs> nice. Steven actually yeah. painted this one for me. <laughs> it's looking good. Yeah, since two thousand and four, I've been into the game. When I heard mm-hmm. about you know the game that you guys were building, we saw mm-hmm. the third person action RPG. Like mm-hmm. kind of like, all right, this is it. Like this is like I'm, I'm into this already. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us about the story? Like how how did that come to be? Like, did you guys like say, hey, we love this tabletop game. Let's prototype this and show it to Privateer and see if they pick it up? Or did they come to you guys? Well, no, actually, um, we were once again doing like some R&D for a game engine company. And they um, they had a relationship with Privateer. And they were kind of, they were, um, they had asked Privateer for the right to build um build some of build like the night wretch and a couple other couple of the little cricks beasties to and you know like actually i think like the ironclad and you know some of the the juggernaut like a like a couple of the seminal the yeah. seminal og war machine warjacks of the time warjacks yeah um and uh and so they kind of they kind of they, so, you know, Matt had given them the right to do that um, and not they weren't going to make any profit off of it. They were just using it to kind of express the engine a little bit. But um, but we were we were looking at that and we were like, Jesus, that shit is fucking cool. And we already knew what the IP was like. We had a couple of players. We had a couple of players who've been playing since. Uh, I think War Machine came out in 2000. 2003 i think yeah 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 so we had a couple of players that have been playing that and they uh they they introduced it to me and of course i love anything about big robots yeah um and that's just <laughs> there's no but, world no. like there's no world like the iron kingdoms you know right uh so so we we're just like you know like 
we can do this stuff better than we can than they can. So uh, so we asked we asked for the relationship. We we had the meeting with Matt, um, and we we said, hey, look, we really want to do something with this property. Um, and so we decided to kind of take the bet and build something, build the the action RPG demo off of it, and see if we could get publisher funding to actually you know build a whole you know 20 hour single player um story campaign that you know really told uh really you know really spent time getting into the the details of you know uh the the signarian kadorian conflict and you know with with the protectorate and crix as a as like heavy supporting characters right um yeah it was i mean that was that was that was the that was the dream so matt was matt was 100% for it right he didn't have to he didn't have to do anything but kind of approve and all that and he was super involved in the process actually he's always like for through everything that we did he was really really involved and just you know uh opened up everything about privateer to us right like we want to ask questions about the lore or um you know we wanted to submit designs or ideas or anything and let me tell you as an ip holder also just super easy to work with because we've worked with all kinds of ips you know the stuff from disney the stuff from like (laughs) hasbro you know but matt was super cool and super flexible because i think the way that he looks at the ip is like if if somebody's going to mess around with it they're most likely going to try to add to its value right you know so that was really cool so then going from third person action game that we saw at e3 to to tactics like like why and how did that decision get made uh so this was a conversation with this was a conversation that matt and i had where we had when we started when we started pitching war machine we were kind of coming out of the recession from the 2008 recession and um and we as as a studio were still we're still fairly young and we're a little bit naive to how financiers and publishers and all thought you know we kind of did really believe that they you know like if if a game was cool they would pick it up and they would see yeah. like, Oh, it's cool. It could be a boutique project or it's going to make a ton of money or both, you know, but it doesn't really, doesn't really work that way. So, so we tried, we tried shipping it. We tried shopping it for quite some time. Um, and we, we had, we had one super close, like we had, we had a very big publisher almost pick it up. We were so close to it. They asked us to, they asked us to add on a MOBA component. Right. So it was kind oh. of it was going to have the whole story, the story mode, plus um, be a competitor to League of Legends. Oh, just a little mode then. It wouldn't. Nothing <laughs> just, just, like, yeah, you know, just just go ahead and tack that on. Just, you know, yeah. just, if just, you yeah. have time this weekend, just make it yeah. a MOBA. Also. Throw that on there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but uh, but by that by that point in time, you know, we were kind of. We were starting to also learn what the what the what the publishers were looking for, and this is funny because I say publishers, not necessarily the market, um, but the publishers were looking for these certain things. 
Um, and so we had already begun to adapt to like more multiplayer to have, you know, to have a single player component, but also to have a heavy multiplayer component. So um, adapting it to the adapting it to the MOBA was not very difficult. In retrospect, I'm really glad that we did not do that project yeah. because um, we've been inside of Riot's operation now and other other MOBA other MOBA folks, and it is not a pleasant. It's not a pleasant experience, right? It's not about making games anymore. It's about running operations. You know? Okay. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so we, so like if you take all of that, you know, what we were pitching as an endeavor for the action RPG was a very expensive endeavor, you know, just for the single player aspect alone, it was around like 12 to $15 million. Um, and while that may sound like a lot, it's not, it's not a lot for like a one and a half to two year development, you know, when it comes to game industry professionals, because game industry professionals are usually, you know, like, especially for veteran ones are paid pretty well. So your, your cost of doing business is incredibly expensive and, you know, your margins, like it's, it's, well, you don't make margin most of the time. Most of the time when we build games, we build them at cost and we eat shit and then, and then maybe, maybe it'll make some money on the back end. But for us, 100% of the time it has not. But, you know, it's okay. So, um, but so like when we looked at, you know, so I told Matt, you know, like, look, dude, we're not, we're not getting any traction with this action RPG anymore, but we really want to make something. And the Kickstarter platform had just launched. Um, we had so much work already done. Um, we were just like, why, why don't we actually turn a lot of that into still make a game, but make a game that would be achievable within a much smaller budget. Okay. So, so we kind of got together with Matt and we figured out like, you know, he would put, he would put uh, his, his IP and his team kind of against the Kickstarter and we would put our team and our expertise and all that against the Kickstarter. And then that's how the, that's how the Kickstarter came to be. We basically scoped the project down to something that was more palatable for Kickstarter, something that still we felt would make sense for War Machine. And that's how War Machine Tactics came to be. And it turns out the Kickstarter was a good idea because you guys funded in, I, I don't remember how quickly you funded, but you guys funded fast. At 36 hours. Yeah. 30, <laughs> so I was, I was back at 147 just because I had bad internet at the time. Um, so, <laughs> you would have been back at 47 if the internet was better, yeah. right? <laughs> I hope so. We were but, in the um, oil field. <laughs> in the middle of yeah. nowhere. <laughs> stand by a tree to get good signals. Hopefully that could be like a boot. So like after, because I, like you said, Kickstarter was brand new and mm-hmm. like, funding things on Kickstarter, like back then, it seemed really mm-hmm. easy to fund things. And then you see that a lot of projects don't ever make it um, yeah. on Kickstarter. So yeah. like when you guys like did the work, went through the thing and actually funded and actually delivered your product, it's like, oh, this can work. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it works for a lot of smaller studios now because Kickstarter, you see a lot of like one or two or three person development teams that are right. really successful on Kickstarter. Right. But I also... Think- Oh, go ahead. Uh, I think I think that you know, like so. Um, Double Fine really, Double Fine really opened it up with kind of like you know, we're just going to put our game on here. We're going to ask for a million dollars or two million dollars or whatever, and like actually prove that there was a desire there. But I think that also there there are two there are two big there are two big points there, and I really need to address them. I think because our our audience 
um, was a victim of this, right? Like, like there's there's the there's the point of there's the point of um, games don't games don't 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 always come out the way you intend them to, right? And then the other um, the other the other you know they 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 will become what you intend them to over time is if you can stick with them long enough, but they don't usually. They don't usually start out. They don't, a lot of times they don't start out, unless you have a gigantic budget. They don't start out with you know the the way that you the, the way that you want them to. But then also there's so much garbage, right? And it's uh, and it's it's very difficult for a lot of people to completely deliver on what they say. And I think I think we were also guilty of like a little mix of a little mix of both. Right, you know, um, and that causes that causes issues with a with a fan base that we love, right? So that wear it wore it down. And I think it's interesting also because when you're developing on Kickstarter, there's the expectation that you better tell me what you're doing, you better update us all the time because we've already given you our money, right? Yeah. So there's there's a little bit of like, all right, what are you working on now? Are you working on the thing that I want you to be working on? Yeah. And like you said, I mean, because you guys would put out developer updates fairly frequently. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of comments on all of those on, you know, mm-hmm. hey, I think this should be like this, or I think this should be like this. Plus, you guys also went into early access, which was something that not a lot of games were doing at the time. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. then you get more feedback from there of, hey, how come this unit does not work exactly how this <laughs> you know, this card works. Yeah. Like, why aren't you doing this 100% of, you know, a complete translation from the game. So, yeah. I mean, that's got to be hard as a developer to be like, well, this is what we can do. We can't do it the way you want it to do, but we know that you love the game. Yeah. It's like, we're sorry, but I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to make everyone happy. It's true. It is, it is hard to make everyone happy. And that's um, like for us, the fan base, the fan base is so precious, right? Like they put, they, they, they put things that, I mean, they do kind of what I, what I caution people against doing, which is pre-ordering, right? No. I'm not a big fan of the whole pre-order concept and we've launched plenty of games that have been pre-ordered, but like, <laughs> uh, you know, it's not usually our druthers to do that, but um it's uh, it is it is difficult. Um, it's it's zero problem to respond to the fan base, right? It was always a pleasure for Matt and I to interact with them. Um, it's a uh, you know because those are the people that you're going to get the most honest reflection of things from. But they also uh, oftentimes want things that are diametrically opposed, you know, uh, just because every everyone 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 has their own take on it. So you just you just do the best you can. You don't necessarily take everybody's suggestions and kind of homogenize it into one one thing because then you end up with boring game. But you kind of you take your own gut instinct and you say, "Oh, this is really the way we should we should go." But when there's something that's loud enough, and this happened a lot, especially after we released the game, um, you know, uh, especially when we had uh, when we had RNG problems, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, we literally hired a guy who was in the community that that was showing us so much stats on RNG and like how we should rebalance things and all that. We were just like, you know what, just just come on, yeah. <laughs> we'll hire you. Just, yeah, just just do it, right? <laughs> um, but um, but that's the 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 best you can do is listen 
and empathize and then make an informed decision from from there um, and then just kind of deal with everything else just deal with everything else as it uh, as it goes you know um, I would have loved to make everyone happy, but I also knew that even like with the action RPG, we showed that, you know, we showed that trailer and we put it up on YouTube and all that. And we got, we got a lot of love for it. That was great. We also did get a lot of hate for it, right? Because there was a lot of people that from that, you know, that, that just wanted a translation of the tabletop game into, you know, into a digital version. So they didn't have to cart all the, all their figs around or whatever, you know, but that's what, that's what tabletop simulators for, you right? Know? I mean, those people are those people are weird. I don't usually say that people are weird, but those people are weird. I mean, come on, that, I still want to. I still want a third person War Machine game because, like you said, like the Iron Kingdoms is a great IP that you can do mm-hmm. a lot in. I mean, yeah. we, I mean, since we've had like the the Witchers, the Assassin Creeds, you know, mm-hmm. all these um, huge games, it's like, yeah, just just do this, right? Just just make yeah. a MOBA. Just go make a MOBA. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> um what i i've actually had like playing war machine i actually had the chance to play against matt wilson on there because mm-hmm. we were able to meet up and play in war machine tactics i was able to beat him because you know mm-hmm. you know creators <laughs> of things aren't always the best at the game right True. Well, that's, that's actually one memory that i have of the game that it's like you know that's one of those core gaming memories that i had that i got to play against a creator of an ip that i love and you mm-hmm. guys were able to help me do that so i really appreciate that the project our pleasure worked on. so our pleasure. thank you for you know, for kickstarting yeah. that whole thing, just so I can have that one experience. <laughs> uh, it was for you. We knew it from the beginning. <laughs> That's what I've been telling even, myself the whole time. Don't inflate so, his head even more. Right? I, anyway, I mean, he wasn't that good at the game. But um, so knowing what you know now, like, yeah. is Kickstarter ever in the cards again for White no. Moon Dreams? Never. Never again. Never. It's... Um, Maybe, maybe as a marketing support thing in the future, if we if we want to, but um, maybe maybe something like that. But never to fund a whole project or anything like that. It's because uh, the, the problem is it's it's almost impossible to manage expectations. Even if you say like you know on the game side, this is what it's going to be. This is what's going to be. Here's a demo. Play it. You know, here's first. You know, here's first playable. Let's go on early access and all that sort of thing there's still a gap between what somebody imagines they're, they're going to get and uh, like, you know, from that video and then what they, what they actually get, because you can't take a video of the entire game, right? You haven't made it right. right? But if somebody doesn't like the resulting story, there's that problem, right? If somebody doesn't like the way that mission 18 controls, there's that, there's that problem, right? Like if somebody doesn't like a voice actor and like, uh, and the, depth to which someone hates something and will want to do damage to you as an individual or as a company or something like that. Um, the, the, the exposure to that is too great. And we literally had people, um, we literally had people, you know, uh, uh, like even, even before we released giving, like giving people at our studio death threats, I remember really? somebody got yeah. I remember somebody got a hold of my phone number and was calling me while I was on my way to work and giving me shit. And like we were still in the middle of development, you know, because they did not want a turn-based tactics game or they wow. didn't want the story of Allison Jake's right or uh, something like that. And some of these things weren't necessarily our decisions, but we were still we were still beholden to that group. And as much as I love interacting with the fan base 
some things, especially now that like our company is is much older and like a lot of the people here, majority of the people here have families and things like that. That level of exposure is, is a risk for them, you know? Um, so, so I would love to do something with the war machine IP again. And it's, it's a discussion that pops up every couple of years. Um, but I would, I would want to do it. I would want to do it with input from the fan base, but not beholden to their specific expectations that are attached to a dollar amount they have put in prior to right. the game being developed. Yeah. Well, my my advice is don't make a MOBA. Stick to that one. <laughs> don't make a MOBA. If I have my choice, we do the action RPG, right? We just go yeah. right back to that and like tell a single player, a single a single player story, right? Because mm-hmm. that. That world is so great, right? Yeah. Matt's been developing that forever. It's as deep or more deep than than so much other IP that's out there. You know, it's so complicated and beautiful. Yeah. You know? And you know, now we have Unreal Engine five, so we can have all the steam coming out of all the warjacks, all the glowy. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So no let's, loading. Let's make that happen sometime. So. Um, hey, we've been talking for an hour and we really, yeah. really appreciate your time. Like, I feel like we, yeah, could, absolutely. And we could continue to talk, but yeah, I guess anything, I'm good. So you tell me. Oh, we definitely will. We'll hit you up. Um, but before you go, I mean, is there, is there what's next for white moon dreams or is it all R and D that you can't talk about because next gen consoles are like right around the corner. <laughs> there's a, there's, there's absolutely a lot of R and D that's happening. Um, so I would say there's there, there's a lot of that. We've got we've got we've got a few we've got a few projects going on in here. I wish I could I, I really wish I could say something about uh, about some of them. They're so they're so exciting. Um, well, maybe but, uh, Steve and I will be can, around. We're we'll be we're more than happy to talk with you when you can. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The moment the moment that something is uh, announced, uh, it's hard. We all a lot of times we have to wait till like you know, especially if we're working on a game together with someone. Yeah. You know, we have to wait till it's announced. We couldn't say anything about Walking Dead, Saints and Sinners, but we've been working yeah. on that for quite some time, you know, and that was a very exciting project for us. But yeah, I'll definitely let you guys know as like stuff is uh, stuff is on the horizon or as soon as something is being released, you know, hopefully we can kind of walk you through a little bit of it. Well, cool. Thanks, Jay. We really appreciate your time and sitting down yeah. chatting with us. You also won me a dollar because I bet Devin that you would have a hat on because I don't think <laughs> I've ever seen... <laughs> Is it just like the hats are permanently? Is that like your thing? Because I don't. Think I have I've a hat collection. I have, I have, I have so many crazy hats. People would send me hats from all over the place. Yeah, because every interview there's a hat. I was like, I don't think yeah. he got a hat on all the time. So it was an easy yeah. bet for me. I don't think Devin knew, but um. So no, you misled me, Stephen. So thank you so much again for your time, and we really appreciate absolutely it. my pleasure. Hope to chat with you guys again. Devin, that was an awesome time talking with Jay. Do you agree? <laughs> yes, it was a great time. I had a great time at the interview. Had lots of laughs. He ended it with a little, you know, one-two punch on me, but it's all right. <laughs> well, that we we didn't add that part in just in case he uh, gets in trouble with that. So we learned a lot from Jay. How much I drank because all of a sudden I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs>
It was like Ratchet and that Clank. Was the best, that was the best interview of my life. That this was the best one-hour yeah. interview I've ever been this a part of. This interview was brought to you by the PlayStation 5's Solid State Drive. So with speeds that will blow your mind, we were able to transport to the end of that interview. So thank you, Jay. We are going to talk to Jay again in the future. Um, super cool guy. Super excited to learn more about that. All right, guys, we've been talking for a really long time. There's a lot of news things that we could talk about, but I think they're probably go too long. So I'm just going to burn through these really quick, okay? So Cyberpunk 2077 will not be arriving on Google Stadia at launch. Um, Stadia, yeah, what, a, what, is, what a loss right there. What the um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what Stadia is doing. I don't know if Stadia knows what not Stadia much. is doing. But this is like one of the biggest You're gifts You're talking to the, the guy who I absolutely adore Stadia. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm not memeing. I, it is the literal fastest way for me to play a video game right now. And I love xCloud. It works. xCloud works great, too. But I'm just in here. I'm like, all right, I want to play. And the only the only weakness Stadia has is it doesn't have all the games that I actually want to play when I want to play them. So it's like, okay, I guess I'll go load that on my PC. Oh, it's got a patch. Why the F am I not on stage right now? Like once you get into a world, and I tell you this in all honesty, where you do not have to update your game, you're going to be it, it, it. That is a literal system seller. Because all of it, you're like, I'm oh, no more 30 minute download or your 180 gig update. F you, I'm ready to go. And so <laughs> I actually, like, I, now Stadia is not doing itself any favors. And when they said 2077's not making launch day, I'm like, what? That is the biggest title of this year. And you're, and it's not going to be on. Well, I, and then I was like, I guess that, because I was going to buy it on Stadia. I was going to buy 277 and play it there because I can play it everywhere. But then it's like, it's not there. Well, I guess it's Xbox, I, you know, because of xCloud, you know, yeah. the fact that that is, you know, it's like, you're just handing it over to your competitor mm-hmm. and uh, okay. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I think wow. cloud gaming is going to be probably the bit. That's how we're all going to be playing games um, in some way or form in the future. Um, living in a place where video game consoles costed upwards to $1,000 to $12,000 for a PlayStation um Let's see. It was a PlayStation Three at the time during two thousand four. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. but everyone had cell phones that had internet internet access. I mean, cloud gaming is going to solve a lot of people's problems, and it's going to be huge. So, like, I'm I'm, I'm interested to see when Sony starts um, getting focusing on that more than they are right now. Um, yeah, surprised we didn't hear about that today, personally. Yeah. All right. So then, rumors they of blood. have nothing to say about that right now. <laughs> yeah. They partnered with Microsoft, so. Yeah, I mean, they have to, they have to get that going. For they got to switch everything over and create it all. They have the PlayStation Now, which has a whole bunch of games that you can play on PC. But hmm. they'll they'll get there eventually. It's going to get there because that's where that's where we're all going. All right, rumors of Bloodborne remaster for PlayStation Five and PC are going all mm-hmm. over the internet. Um, same with rumor. Like I guess I guess it's not a rumor that Horizon's coming because there's a Steam listing page. We just don't know exactly when it's going to come. There's a bunch yeah. of Harry Potter leaks that leaked um, last week. There, were, I mean, they contradicted each other, but there's a lot of stuff over there. So you guys those, have been hearing about the the uh, Mass Effect rumors that they're they're remaking that or remastering that. Yeah, well, I mean, they have several EA games that they're getting remasters. Right, another leak for that. So Mass Effect was one. Uh, Battlefield Three was one that leaked today, or mm-hmm. they're saying it you know is coming out whatever with all the dlc and it's for next gen consoles so i don't know it'll be yeah. interesting 
lots of rumors. Um, people excited to play Mass Effect. You're going to be able to play Mass Effect in more places. So lots of cool stuff. All right. So <laughs> there's probably a lot more news, but we talked a lot about the Sony stuff. Um, and we'll jive in. I mean, there's going to be a lot of new leaks and everything coming up um, these next couple of weeks that we'll talk about next week. But Brian, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure getting to uh, talk to you. Everything that um, Sony dropped and getting your perspective on it, getting your cool level head where I like dive in head first at all these things. <laughs> like, let's go. You're like, hey, why don't we just take a step back? This is just like, you know, it's all marketing right now. They're trying to lie to us. They're trying to get us to spend money. These companies don't care about us. They just want our dollars. Where I'm like, no, we buy all the things now. Pre-order everything. <laughs> so thank you for bringing that perspective to the show. Um, Devin, thank you for not, like, cussing out um, Sony in this entire time. Instead of, I know you wanted to. Thank you for no, showing the strength. Hey, they, they did. I, so, you know, it's the know. that makes me mad. Right? It's not Sony. I have their systems. I've had every one of their systems. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's just the uh, – I won't go to it. Okay. Brian, will you please tell us <laughs> where people can find you on the interwebs? Uh, you can uh, check uh, all my content over at work to game That's work to game We're on Twitch at Work and the number two game. Uh, and I also post over at Ginger Prime. And Ginger Prime is focusing in on uh, action RPGs, work to game You're going to see a lot of Final Fantasy content. Uh, and then I just started a, I got a new channel. I got so at the end of the day, I'll end up having like four channels, uh, hopefully, but uh, all monetized by this time next year. But I've got Ginger Gaming Radio, in which that I kind of have a couple different podcasts that are focused around a handful of games: Fantasy Star Online, Blue Protocol, uh, at, you know, looter shooters like Destiny. Because that's no matter how many times I quit Destiny, it always finds a way to. Yeah, it's got you know, it's got its hooks in me, and I'm, I think I'm going to be a Destiny player for life, but. Um, the seasonal model, like, oh, anyway, we just talked about that on the last podcast, not, not working for me as a, as a parent, like anytime uh, in a, a life event happens, it's like, and yep, I guess I'm out of the rest of this season. Bye everybody. I'll see you maybe next time. Yeah. So I've been playing around with some arrivals. Anyway, you can check out uh, Ginger Gaming Radio, Ginger Prime, work to game, and then coming maybe later this summer or fall Prime University. So yeah, I like making content. I think I have a problem. Nope, it's, nice. it's a good problem to have. And we will put uh, links to everything that you have currently going on into the show title. So thank you for so much for hanging out with us. And chat, thanks for hanging out. And until next time, Devin, don't kill the stream yet. Um, this is the Freelancer Codex Podcast, episode 126. We'll see you next time. Peace. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Twitter at Freelancer Codex, on Facebook at Freelancer Codex, or through email at freelancercodex at gmail.com. Join the Discord through the link provided at FreelancerCodex.com. Our show will always be free, but if you'd like to send some support, you may do so at Patreon.com slash FreelancerCodex. Our individual Twitter handles are at Stephen Lamson, at MLamson25, at Neverfear, and at JD the Joke Dealer. Freelancers, it's time to get to work.